0: the blast from
1: our past network Hi, this is Tom Matthews from Return of the Living Dead and Friday the 13th and you're listening to Podcasting After Dark
0: Brains, Tina!
1: Lock your doors close your windows turn out your lights for chills and thrills await you It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grizzly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, The New Kids, stars Lori Laughlin, James Spader, and John Philbin.
0: Welcome to another super obscure episode of Podcasting After Dark. I'm Corey.
1: And I'm Super Obscure Zach. <laughs> <laughs>
0: This week, uh, our buddy Zach here will be your showrunner, so that means he picked the movie, and we are reviewing The New Kids, 1985, with James Spader, Lori Laughlin, and directed by Sean Cunningham, who created, or I guess uh, uh, directed the first Friday the 13th.
1: Yes, and produced a bunch of them as well.
0: Right, yeah, because I think he, I think he's like the creator technically of Friday the Thirteenth, um, yep. because I know when he got the rights, I guess back, it totally messed up the whole uh, video game. What was going on with that? And they lost the rights to to the franchise. Blah blah blah. So I kind of had like a little bit of a uh, towards uh, Sean Cunningham because of that. But uh, otherwise, yeah, he did create pretty much the Friday the 13th series, and uh, I think he gets EP credits on pretty much all of them.
1: Yeah, and his his signature is all over this movie, and in a, in a good way, in my opinion, because I love the Friday the 13th series, The first one, not in my top five, but it's, oh well, yeah, my top five, sure, uh, but this movie definitely has all the elements that you come to love in the Friday 13th series, for sure.
0: Yeah, it, it really does. You can definitely tell that there's some some similarities and then some very not similarities there. Uh, but oh, yeah. honestly, Friday 13th Part 1 is probably the, the one I've seen the least out of all of them because I was such a huge Jason Voorhees fan. And as we all know, it's his mom in the first one. But specifically... I was a, a zombie Jason Voorhees fan, so like I liked Part Six, Part Seven, all that kind of stuff. I never quite got into Part Three, Part Four. Honestly, dude, I think I've only seen Part Four like twice.
1: How sad is that? Well, seeing how I've on, I've never seen the one about the psychic Part Seven. Uh, yeah, I, I don't hold that against you, <laughs> <laughs> but I will say in the in the serial killer slasher lore. Uh, it's not my number one. Um, in, in I get, what would you call that? Yeah. Like the slasher. Yeah. Yeah. What? And so, yeah, I would say definitely Michael Myers is my favorite out of all those guys followed by Freddie, then Jason.
0: Oh, okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. That's my personal.
0: And growing up in the 80s, like you had to fall into like one of those camps, you know, like <laughs> you and your friends oh all God. sitting around yeah. talking by the school bus. Like you had to, like, oh, I'm into Freddie. Oh, I'm into Jason, you know. And uh, I got into Michael Myers later in my life. I thought he, I, I wasn't really big into the Halloween movies as a kid. I got into them later. And actually, I just like rewatched Halloween 2 and Halloween 3. Whew. I mean, I got to just say. They still hold up. (laughs) Almost for the first time in my life, because I haven't seen either of those movies, like literally just sitting down and watching them, probably ever. Uh, I. I liked Halloween 3 a lot more than, uh, than Halloween 2. And like I said, I've, I had no nostalgic value coming into those either of those viewings. And I thought Halloween 3 was a beautifully bizarre, just a, a swing at the fences. Yeah. And, you know, I, it's, it's definitely like a, a triple hit versus a home run. But, uh, but dude, <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's a wonderful movie. I think Halloween 3 is fantastic. Halloween 2, I did not quite enjoy.
1: Well, I think, uh, yeah, you had messaged me when you watched Halloween 3, and I had said how uh, I really liked Halloween 3 a lot. I think it's vastly underrated. I think it gets a lot of shit because people forget the politics behind the whole thing because Halloween was not supposed to co- really continue with Michael Myers. Halloween 2 kind of wraps up the story yeah, um, completely. And for, I mean, it's that movie came out in like 1981, so if you haven't seen it, you know, sorry, but I'm going to spoil the hell out of it. But it's a big reveal. It reveals that Michael Myers is the brother of Lori Strode for the first yeah. time
0: in Halloween two. Yeah.
1: In Halloween two. Yeah, and also Michael Myers gets torched by Loomis, who dies in an explosion. That's the way it was supposed to go down. It makes pretty. It makes sense. And then the Halloween three. Mustafa Akkad, the producer, had the rights to the name, so he just kept on making out these movies, which I didn't have a problem with. I would have loved to have seen more of a continuation. I love that Friday the 13th, the series, because it was in name only, but it was like adventures of this crime-fighting or this ghost-fighting team or whatever, paranormal team. And I love that idea of like maybe continuing on the name, but not necessarily the gimmick. And, um, yeah, I think Halloween two it's important it's an important film so watching it knowing that Uh, made me appreciate it a lot more i'm
0: i'm glad i know it and i'm glad i watched it and i have a better like view of the history of michael myers and halloween now um i don't think i'll ever really need to go back and watch halloween 2 again but i absolutely want to own halloween 3 on blu-ray and i i seem to pick up on on the zeitgeist these days is that everyone actually likes halloween 3 like i know when it came out back in the 80s people like really crapped on it but i think i think now it's pretty much understood for the for the classic that it is and like i said i i give it mad props for just trying something different just really trying to do something and 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 really trying to not only like do something different than michael myers but actually trying to tie it into halloween the name of the the season and not just have it be about the boogeyman or something uh halloween three is great but (laughs) to your point about friday the 13th the series I fucking hated that show because it had oh, nothing no. to do with, with Jason Voorhees. I did like Freddy's Nightmares or whatever the hell it was called better because at least it cool. had like a tie-in to Freddy.
1: Yeah. No, that was cool. And I, and I understand why you wouldn't like it because you'd be like, wait, where the fuck is Jason? But uh, but I think that being said, like it had some – it was just, again, the 80s were such a great time for unique programming on TV. There were so many like horror anthology series or uh, short – you know, whether it was Tales from the Dark Side or, uh, what was that one? The monster, um...
0: I think it was called Monsters, which Monsters, I yeah. w- there's one specific episode of Monsters that haunts me to this day, where it was like um, a nuclear war happened, and there was a, a military, yeah, a couple of military guys in a fallout bunker, and yeah. there was a door right outside of the bunker with like a, a window that they could see out, and it like just looked totally post apocalyptic and everything, yeah. like the whole world was destroyed, but somehow vampires rose up and like people that he knew were at the door sort of like trying to get in very um very uh i am legend-esque uh oh yeah you know with with people outside knowing who he is trying to get in and it kind of ends with him knowing you know the other person from i think another fallout shelter but they're on the outside hitting, hitting the keypad and they're like well i have you know, forever. And I'm going to figure out this code eventually. And I'm going to get in, you know? And I, I just, I thought that was scary. I, and that was from an episode of monsters and that show was fantastic, especially the opening for that show.
1: God, there were so many, I mean, we could, we, we, we might have to dedicate an entire episode, uh, Wrap up episode or something to all of those shows from the from the eighties because there were so many great ones and and yeah I would say Friday Thirteenth is towards the bottom of those but I still enjoyed <laughs> it and uh, but more to your point about Halloween three and how much you love that that does share a connection with today's movie in a oh, very really? okay. awesome way yes um, for one of the s- stars of that movie being in this movie. The new kids. Oh, and <laughs> yes. You know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, let's jump right into it. Yes,
0: let's let's do it because I'm excited to talk about this movie. I am. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> you guys have you guys have seen it? I assume you've already watched the movie.
1: It's a wild fucking ride. So, new kids. New kids came out in 1985. Um, it was renamed "Striking Back" in the UK. When it was released okay. in eighty eight on video. Um, so if you look up the trailer on YouTube, they it's the UK trailer, FYI. FYI. And so yeah, New Kids came out in eighty-five, the same year as another film we recently talked about on our podcast. Uh very popular underground movie as well. But yeah, director Sean Cunningham of Friday the thirteenth fame directed uh directed it and then Stephen Gillenhall wrote it um it, yes shannon presby is the lead actor and he's not really known for a whole lot he was in yeah um, i, I do tv that. shows and that's about it unfortunately because i think the guy's i think he's really charismatic and he has kind of unique qualities but maybe he just got lumped into oh brown hair brown eyes whatever he can fight a little bit i like the guy though personally
0: i i do too but by unique qualities, you are referring to his immensely hairy legs, right? That's <laughs> that, that's what you're referring to.
1: I was gonna refer to his dancing skills at one point, but uh, and his and his karate, but okay. uh, and,
0: and his yes. and his man like body in high school. It is man.
1: You love your man like, but apparently, I love my man like bodies too. But I was
0: gonna say, I don't think it's me, buddy. I think it's uh, I think it's 1985. Loves its man like bodies in high school.
1: You and I were talking off the air a little bit why uh, it, it, I was talking about how I hated high school and had just an overall pretty horrible experience, not compared to other kids that have had it far worse than me, but it just wasn't memorable in a good way. And you're like, oh, it makes sense why you like all these teen pl- <laughs> exploitation movies then. I'm like, yeah, I guess you're right. This is my therapy. Podcasting After Dark is my therapy.
0: That's awesome. I, I am very happy about that. I I'm, I will always... <laughs> Be more than happy to uh, peel back the stinky onion layers that is your soul and, oh, uh, and dive deep, deep into it. And but no, it's dude, I, I am. I feel like I'm definitely getting new insight into our friendship because new I, kids
1: is giving you new insight.
0: Because <laughs> we didn't we didn't know each other in high school, or we we weren't even on the same coasts no, uh, in high no. school. And no. um, so, I, dude, I. I had no problems in high school um, and I feel bad for people like who did. So I didn't kind of gravitate towards these particular movies. And uh, but yeah, I, I see, I see the through line. I really see the through line now as to why you're, you're really digging into these things.
1: Well, this, this movie um, and, and we can talk a little bit about it after I run through the whole cast and crew, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but this movie, yeah, this, the, the themes that these, these kids deal with totally resonate with me. Uh, not not too deep. I didn't get any of the shit that went down in this one or tough turf for Class of 1984. However, um, I'm sure it could have gone there, and I've heard stories about it through my brother and his friends and whatnot. So yeah, yeah this shit was real. Like, like uh, people are like, "Oh, this movie's a cliche," and eh, not really. Like, and and if you think about it, the stuff that kids go through now uh, is pretty on par with what happens in this movie. Unfortunately, so, but. Um, yeah. To, to round out the cast, Lori Laughlin plays Abby. And, uh, of, well, of Lori current... Laughlin. Yes, of current infamy. <laughs> Who doggies? Uh, yeah, I was going to be like, you know, from uh, Full House and Rad and Prison. <laughs> yeah, her orange is the like, new black.
0: Did she get like 15 months or something?
1: Oh, uh, she hasn't. I don't think she's been sentenced yet, but she will be soon. And she's pretty defiant. You know, the other one. Um, I uh, don't whatever Felicity Huffman was like yeah I did it I'm sorry I'm a jerk and they threw her in jail jail for like for like 13 days which is no joke you know yeah prison is- <laughs> and and so um uh, she did her time and she came out and she's done Lori Laughlin's like no I'm pleading not guilty and the judges or the prosecutors are like okay we're just gonna throw a few more charges on your ass and <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> you're going to jail for a long time oh, for, poor Lori laughlin <laughs> uh, for what dude like her kid didn't even want to go to school she didn't even care about school she was like a instagram influencer and then that fucked up her career and well poor Lori laughlin yeah but we'll always have new kids
0: and she got written off the full house uh, reboot right because of it
1: dude yeah her she's she's done wow. like you know at this point she'll be a reality show uh unfortunately but that's what happens right she'll she'll do her thing she'll get out and she'll be on reality shows and oh my god she's so famous and she'll be writing signing autographs for yeah
0: or writing a book and doing a tour uh i mean dude like we we know how this is going to all turn out basically and
1: you know that that's what makes me sick about shit like that because it's like really should we be honoring people like this uh You know, no, we shouldn't, but we do because this is the 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 cesspool of our culture. But (laughs) um, at least we can go back to 1985, and then um, James Spader is back. He's back, baby. He's back in like (laughs) a couple of episodes. Uh, 1985 was a big year for the Spade because he was obviously in Tough Turf, where he plays the good guy, and this one he plays Dutra, the lead villain, white trash hunky redneck. It's not white trash because the guy's apparently loaded, but we'll get to that. And then, then we've got another connection to another movie, and another podcast. John Philbin plays Gideon or Gid, and John Philbin we know on our podcast from Return of the Living Dead, and obviously from my other podcast Two Dollar Late Fee. We did an extensive ninety-plus minute interview with the guy. Uh, unfortunately, didn't get to return of the Living Dead, but did talk about New Kids, which he fondly remembers. And he has a standout performance in this film. He's,
0: he's fun. He's a lot yeah. of fun in this movie. This is—I mean—at this point, I've seen John Feldman in a, a, a quite a few things, and this is a this yep. is a pretty powerful performance on his part. Yeah, dude.
1: This movie. Obviously, we're gonna go deep, but this movie. You know, someone wrote online. They're like, oh, they're cliche characters. Yeah, but it's whatever. Who cares? Maybe they weren't cliche at that time, though, in 1985. I think you have to look at this movie from a lens of what was it like in 85 when this movie came out? Not 2019. We've seen all these things now a million times over. At that time, there wasn't a whole lot of movies like this. Um, yeah, we just happen to talk about all three of them in one in our, <laughs> yeah. on our podcast. <laughs> now, and then, do you yeah. have
0: any idea which one was filmed first? I feel like this was filmed before Tough Turf.
1: Yeah, this uh, I was there's again, unfortunately, with these more obscure movies, there's not a ton of info on them. But I think this was filmed. It feels like it was filmed first. Yeah,
0: yeah, it does. Especially with the uh, James Spader's bleach blonde hair and eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but he still has his well his little spade tattoo which oh we'll he's got to, to have a spade well. baby <laughs> yeah. he's the spader <laughs> um and then we've got we've got um eddie jones uh, who plays uncle charlie and eddie jones would be known to many people uh that got he's 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 got he's a character actor he's been in a bunch of great kind of bigger name movies um year of the dragon with um Mickey Rourke, which is a great ch- uh, f- flick. Uh, the Terminal with Tom Hanks. Sneakers with Robert Redford. Seabiscuit with Tobey Maguire. A lot of like quality flicks. Yeah. Um, I've
0: seen him before when I was watching. I was like, oh, that guy. And you've seen him on TV shows. Yeah. He's been a, yeah. a character actor forever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's just, yeah, he's a great, um, great character actor. Fun role. And then two more actors in this film that I want to point out Tom atkins the man it plays lauren and abby's dad uh mac mac and <laughs> oh he's so good in it it's
0: <laughs> <laughs> for all of five minutes is, that he's yeah, into but it it's... yes he, but, oh, man. <laughs> he, he clearly wants to have sex with his daughter in the first three <laughs> totally, seconds of dude. the movie this this movie slaps fucking insane ass, anyways let's get to that
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll get to that and then last but not least in one of his first films as well uh, Eric Stoltz plays Mark. He's a local in the town that Lauren and Abby end up winding up in, in Florida.
0: Yeah, and, and, he, and, for, and he's really for an actor awkward. as big as Eric Stoltz, as someone who we know would be uh, Marty McFly, you know, at, at one point, yeah. possibly, oh yeah. until he got cut from it, uh, his, his destiny is never quite there. But man, what a small <laughs> role for him for this movie. Small
1: role, but but a good role. Um yeah, yeah, I love this movie, and I lo- and, and, and I mean that in a genuine way. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, he's good; he's really good in it. And so, the new kids—that's the—that's the. We're done. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eric Stoltz is great, small role, but he's awesome, and we're done. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, for just a little ba- background info on this movie, on my end, I rented this movie once when I was a kid, uh, or my brother Eric did. And I didn't really think of it a whole lot at the time. And then it wasn't until Mill Creek Entertainment, which is a fun little Blu-ray DVD company, released a they do like these cool retro slip covers with their Blu-ray releases. They're very bare bones. They're like nine dollars on Amazon, which if you think about it, it's not that much money. Uh, But they released a bunch of movies at the same time with these cool retro VHS slip covers that we put the we posted the photo on our on our Instagram page. yeah, It's
0: really cool. It's a freaking awesome box cover.
1: Yeah. It's legit original art on the outside. And on the inside, it's like the newer art, which is whatever it's kind of garbage. Generic. Yeah. It's yeah. It's, like don't even, but, um, but they, yeah, they, so they re-released it. And I'm like, Oh, I think I remember this movie. And it was at a time when tough turf was getting re-released on Blu-ray. And I said, Oh, I got to pick this one up too. And I did. And so worth it so, so, so (laughs) worth it because the minute I, from the opening to the ending, I was hooked.
0: So that means this is not one of like your major rotations growing up then. This wasn't a a big one for you. Although this was, it it was sort of, but not like, like heavy play rotation.
1: Yeah. I don't know why it flew under the radar. Maybe because while 85, 84, 85, 86 were such huge years for horror, sci-fi, exploitation, action. And so maybe it just flew under the radar. I watched it once and I was like, meh, OK, um, not because I was what I was nine at the time when this came out. So I wasn't really resonating with the uh, high school protagonist. Yeah. Yeah. And then if I would have watched this when I was 17, hell yeah, I would have watched this over and over again because it's got everything that I want <laughs> in a horror in a horror film. I, would, I mean, I call it more of a, a thriller. But um, uh, yeah, I love. Yeah. So what's your experience with this movie?
0: I literally never even heard of this movie until the Amazon box arrived in the mail from <laughs> Zach. <laughs> and Zach's like, I ordered you the next movie because we're not going to be able to find it anywhere. But here's the next movie that we're going to do. I <laughs> opened the box up. I'm like, what the fuck is this, man? <laughs> New kids on the box? Actually,
1: you know what I'm going to do? And, and you're not even maybe what I'm going to do is you're not even going to know what the next pick is of mine. I'm just going to send it to you <laughs> and you're going to get it in the mail because you sent us. On many and on many occasions, that you love to have copies of all the movies we watch, and then part of me is like, well, if it doesn't break the bank, if it's under twenty bucks, I'm just gonna send it to you. And uh, yeah, you're gonna get it in the mail. And I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have said anything. I should have just like sent it to you, and then you open <laughs> it up, and you're like, what the fuck is this?
0: <laughs> I, I will say, seeing that cover, the Mill Creek cover is fantastic because it looks like, um, because you know, VHS tapes are a different aspect ratio, not different, like a different size than Blu-rays, so they kind of ha- make yeah. it look like it's a VHS cover, and then they fill the extra space with having the VHS sort of sticking out the side of the cover to fill the extra space of the box. It's beautiful, beautiful rendition. Uh, if you guys have not seen the movie, we are not being paid. There's no advertisement whatsoever for Mill Creek at all, but if you guys yeah. dig it, it's definitely worth picking up. The transfer uh, quality is fine enough, um, but you're you're really picking it up uh, for the slipcase cover of this of this movie is is the best part of the owning it
1: i'm i'm kind of in a i'm kind of in a boat now where uh being a parent i and i don't have as much being a parent of a a small child i don't have a whole lot of time to watch stuff anymore so when it comes to a lot of extras while i love extras sometimes i just want to watch the movie and that's it and this is one of those occasions occasions where yeah like that's all you need you just you just need i would love to see something deeper on this, an interview with cast and crew. I'd love to see an interview with Lori Laughlin from prison. Hey, Lori, <laughs> um, we want to do an interview with you about, you know, your experience. Oh, in prison. No, with new kids. <laughs> what? Click. What? Uh, <laughs> I do have to point out one more thing on this movie. The, the music is by Lalo Schifrin and Lalo Schifrin. For those of you who don't know who he is, he is the guy who did the music for Enter the Dragon.
0: Oh, very cool. I yeah, I, po- I picked up some musical parallels. I put them in my notes. Um, so oh, I, I we'll put get some there in my notes I too. <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah uh, yeah so oh oh here it is um the travel bus music was terrible that's my uh, that's my note
1: (laughs) let let's uh yeah we're gonna break it down for sure yeah Uh, i'm not a fan so he the the majority of his music was done in the 60s and 70s very apparent in this film because that was the one thing that i'd had a problem with was the soundtrack um the the score the musical score i felt like it was super cheesy uh and it just didn't fit for me um the the tone of the movie however i also think that is something that sean cunningham kind of gets off on because if you watch the first friday friday the 13th it's got this great musical score and you're like okay yeah you don't need like the 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 violins and all the strings and just you know but then this gets into like you know. Yeah, the, na, 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 the score na, 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 in this movie
0: was a little bit, I, I found it to be a little off-putting, um, nothing yeah. that ruined anything, but I was just kind of like, okay, it. you know what, it dated it, it made it feel like, yes. it made it actually feel older than it was, and it made it feel older than Tough Turf, which is weird because it came out in the yes. same year.
1: It speaks to the fact that this guy did most of his music in the late 60s early 70s and that's what it sounds you, like. It you know what it sounds you like know what, a 70s to me
0: movie. it sounded like television music. It sounded like totally. music you Yeah, like you would hear on chips or something, right? Like from yeah. but from the 70s. It, yeah. it sounded like music you'd hear on TV shows from the 70s.
1: Yeah, after school special type shit, so Yeah. 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 So let's, but, uh, let's, let yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I was
0: going to say, but uh, this movie's anything but an after school special. So let's, let's dive. Oh my <laughs> God. Let's dive into this thing. Come on. Let's just get into this.
1: So it opens on a bedroom with like military garb and kind of slow pans over to, uh, Tom Atkins and his, his, his alarm on his watch, which I'm like, wow, that's a really fancy alarm for a, for a, for a fucking, um, what do you call it? analog watch, but whatever. Yeah. That's cool. And so the alarm goes off and the mom's like, oh, it's the middle of the night. And his wife. And he's like, oh, time to get up and comes in and wake his kids up. And it's so this is funny. He's saying like Rebly, Rebly to his kids, Rebly, Rebly time to get up or whatever. My dad used to do that shit to me. What is Rebly, wake...
0: Rebly? What does that mean?
1: It's like a, it's like a military call, like up and him. like get your ass out of bed. Oh, and so okay. my dad, my dad would come and wake my brother and I up on a summer like we're think about summer a vacation, wanting to sleep in till at least eight in the morning when you're ten. He'd come in at six in the morning, rabbley, rabbley, and sometimes he'd bang a a garage or a garbage can. To wake us up. Oh, And we're like, oh, what the fuck is going on, huh? And, uh, you know, because we had to get up. We had to do chores, and we had to get out of the house. That was that was my summers in Michigan. Summers <laughs> in Michigan. <laughs> Dude, so,
0: by the way, yes, back in the 80s when when summers were, you literally kicked your kid out of the house for, like, 15 hours. You're like, look, yeah, you're going to be out of the fuck? side from, like, 9 a.m. to, like, 12 midnight and just get the fuck out of here, and you're just going <laughs> to go play in the woods for that entire yeah. time.
1: Yeah, the woods. Don't be on the TV. That's going to rot your brain.
0: Now, can I ask you something? Did your dad ever wake you up A... When you were just sleeping in your tidy whities and your full man sized body with your man hairy man legs and hairy man arms that are clearly 35 years old. But did he wake you up saying, uh, What's the matter? Did you whack off too much last night? <laughs> yeah, dude. And, then, oh my and God. then did your dad run into your sister's room, pat her on the butt, and say, Wake up, more greenbacks. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Uh, wait. He said something. About, um, I, we got to make more greenbacks to buy designer jeans for that sexy little body, <laughs> yeah. What the yeah, fuck, dude? What the fuck? And Tom Atkins is just smiling. And okay, let me just talk about Tom Atkins for one second. <laughs> Please, I was, I did not watch Night of the Creeps as a kid. Um, like I said, I did not watch Halloween 3 as a kid, so. I just watched Halloween 3. So in Halloween 3, Tom Atkins, which is – I love the fact that they went this route, but he is a drunk womanizer uh, cheating on his wife. He's a piece of cr- – and he's in, in Halloween 3, he's like banging like a 21-year-old, right, when he's clearly like 50. And then in yeah. here, immediately, like three days later, I watch him patting Lori Laughlin on the, the tush and saying the that she's got a body. sexy little body, and that's his daughter. <laughs> And she's in you high know, school. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And that's this is the first two minutes of this film. First my text minutes, to Zach yeah. was my text to Zach was, I am two point five minutes into this movie <laughs> and I already have so much to say. This is gonna be a long episode, guys. This is gonna be three hours.
1: It's gonna be Three hours, two-parter. Um, yeah, it's so bizarre. It, it's it, it's such a, like, at first it starts out all sweet, and you're like, wait, sexy little bod whacking off? Clearly this is an R-rated movie, because he, they're going for the full jugular on this. Who tells, ask their kids if they beat off last night, and, uh... And commenting on the body of his daughter. Like, no one does that. Only Tom Atkins can pull that Only off. Only Tom, Tom Atkins.
0: Atkins can pull that one off. Oh, uh, <laughs> Tom <laughs> Atkins.
1: I t- Come on, Tommy. So, uh, yeah, he takes the kids out. They start jogging. There's a there's a great training montage. Like, immediately kicks into a into a training montage. And for those of you that know me, well, you know I love my montages so goddamn well. And there's, like, this cheesy song called Stand Up by Bill Ray. And it's, it, it, it almost sounds a little like the lead singer from Quiet Riot singing like a Eye of the Tiger kind of anthem. And you're like, yeah, come yeah.
0: on. It was a good montage, and it, it sets th- – it, it establishes that the two kids are capable, and you yeah. know, and and as much as we want to like make fun of how of what Tom Atkins was saying, they're trying to show it that he's like a fun dad. He's a oh, yeah. he's a cool dad, and they I think that they were trying to go that route, but man, they went they overstepped and went the creepy route instead. <laughs> uh, another yeah. bad direction that they went in was having the son wear those nineteen early 1980s short shorts workout dolphin short shorts. shorts. Yeah, because there was shorts. this one scene, and I texted Zach a minute later. I go, "There's this one scene where in the montage where he's hitting the, the the punching bag or whatever." And I wrote down, "I go, I saw his balls when he kicked the punching bag in the opening <laughs> workout montage." I texted Zach, "I go, I think I just saw the son's balls," and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, it's gonna happen a lot." I'm like, "Yeah, what the, is yeah. this
1: fucking movie, dude?" <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. You're absolutely welcome. No, thank welcome. you, man. Thank you. No, you're thank so welcome. You. It's a tight 85 minutes. Oh, I must point out the the original uh time for this movie was an hour 50 minutes on imdb but this version is like 85 90 minutes and makes me wonder if there's a longer cut somewhere in the world maybe a television edit or something i don't know But anyways yeah this is so great uh tom atkins is mac is smiling at when they're jogging he's got this big shitting smile on his face and he's just loving life and yeah it it really in a in an exploitative kind of way shows how much his kids love him and he loves them and yeah. he's just and a good in the guy weird way
0: too like as much as the son looks like a grown man Lori laughlin <laughs> was 21 when she filmed this i i checked yeah. her age and everything and fucking she looks like she's 13 like it's yeah. it's crazy so that makes even the, the it makes it even creepier what he says to her in, in the bedroom
1: yeah i don't i don't comment as much as you do on uh chick's bodies on 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 our podcast well i am but honorably
0: I, horny according to our last review
1: <laughs> according to uh, drunk ovaltine or drinking ovaltine uh god i love that guy um yeah i will say like not a fan of her prepubescent uh bod yeah
0: yeah but she was she's 21 that's the crazy part like i know like she is it she was looks insane. like a child she yeah, looks like and, a child and then this is like and but she looked the age that she's supposed to be, and that's like honestly, that's probably like the best casting scenario you can ever have, where you find somebody that's that's of age but looks like they're supposed to, and then you yep. have you know uh, the brother who they cast a thirty five year old to play a sixteen year old.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, Lauren, Lauren definitely looks he's he's got that Spader age going on. Yeah, but, from uh, Tufter. So so from the interview that I did with uh, with John Philbin. And when we brought up New Kids, and he's like, "Oh, I love that movie, so many great memories. Memories working with Jimmy, who James Spader. Uh, he said, but he said to the director because he was kind of he admits he was an asshole during this time. Uh, John Philbin says he was an asshole himself, and he goes up to the Sean Cunningham and he's like, "Why'd you cast her as the lead actress?" And Sean Cunningham said, according to John Philbin, he said, "She looks good from every angle," <laughs> and that was that was. <laughs> Uh, at the time he didn't really understand, but now he's like, oh yeah, it makes sense. Like she just, she's so filmable, which if that's creepy, I don't know, but whatever. It makes sense to me because yeah, she, she looks her part and she wears it well.
0: Yeah. No, I honestly, it it was, I have no problems with Lori Laughlin in this movie. I have much problems with uh, Tom Atkins portrayal of her, of her father (laughs) with Mac
1: father. Well, you don't have to worry that much because, um, because uh, Mac and, and and Mom get on a trip to go visit the president to receive this Medal of Valor, like the next scene later. They're saying goodbye to their kids, and, and they're getting in a car and driving off, and then it shoots to Lauren and Abby, or cuts to Lauren and Abby having a party with their buddies, eating Popeye's chicken. And, yeah, um,
0: made me want to eat Popeye's chicken.
1: <laughs> watching the news. You know, oh, we're going to watch the news and see our dad get this cool medal, and obviously the news was... Uh this is like later on in the evening it already happened and the phone rings Lauren picks up the phone and he's like hey guys quiet down and then he's like shut up or whatever and they're like startled and they look at him and and he goes they're both they're both of them and uh finds out that both their parents have died right in a car crash
0: I thought that was a really well-handled oh, scene. I thought it was well done. Yeah. I like that you didn't hear what was on the other end of the conversation, and you just saw the, what was on the what, Lauren's face. What's the actor's name again,
1: uh, Lauren's? Shannon Presby.
0: Shannon Presby I think he did a fantastic job and I'm gonna and yeah. it's gonna keep happening I'm gonna talk about his hairy legs and his man body but <laughs> aside from that I actually thought he was a good actor in this I thought he did a good job it's not yeah. his fault that they that they cast him as like a 15 year old in a, in a man's body but <laughs> they should have shaved he his did a great job I think I yeah, think they, he did a great job and this scene in particular did a good job of showing the emotion on his face
1: yeah totally i I agree with you I you know it doesn't the fact that he his uh he's a good actor and he plays his part really well outside of the way he looks on film with his with his hairy man legs and dolphin <laughs> shorts and his wang hanging out but uh yeah everyone's devastated you can feel the the sadness and then they cut to the funeral and you I just wrote down funeral fuck like these poor <laughs> kids you know they get a flag and their dad's watch the colonel uh. Max buddy uh, Colonel Jenkins who that guy Oh, shit. What's his name? Oh, Um, yeah.
0: That's my one note from the funeral. I go, Colonel Jenkins, dash, I recognize him. And then I (laughs) looked him up on IMDb, and weirdly, I couldn't find what movie or TV show that I recognized him from. So, like, I don't know if it was, like, some random episode of Seinfeld or something that I'm recognizing him from. But Colonel Jenkins was absolutely, like, a character actor that I recognized.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. That guy has been in – Brad Sullivan is his name. And, yeah, you just – you would recognize him from – I mean, I remember him from The Untouchables. Um, And – go ahead.
0: No, I've seen Untouchables. I saw that too, and I've seen Untouchables. And, but I, I've only seen it, like, once, so I know that's not it. But I, I freaking recognize him, like, hardcore from something, you know? But I don't think yeah. it's, like, a movie or it's something stupid that I saw I, him I, in.
1: Yeah, I, re- I remember – he's got a really memorable – moment with sean connery and the untouchables um that's that's what i remember him from because i'm like yeah why does his face look so familiar but that's the 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 test of a really a a cool performance because it's so memorable it just ingrains on you so it'll come to you i'm sure when we do the wrap-up episode you'll be like oh it's from this movie but um yeah i'm sure he was on a seinfeld he looks like he'd be on seinfeld but um (laughs) yeah he comes up and he's like yeah i got your i got your uh I love the I love the man, the son of a bitch, and he gives them. Oh uh, no, that's the that's Uncle Charlie. <clears throat> yeah, you
0: know it's funny because like my next note immediately is Uncle Charlie. Dash, I recognize him too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, Uncle Charlie. So Colonel Jenkins gives them this watch, and they're like, "Yay, a flag and a watch. That's all we got." And apparently, well, and like- he
0: says. And he says like like I'll I'll always be there if you guys need me you know I I kind of liked yeah. that he was like he because everyone I guess liked his dad you know Mac and uh, yeah. or their dad but I liked him it was a short little exchange but he was like look if you guys ever need me I'm here for you like seriously yeah and I like yeah that. they
1: love they love Mac but the mom like whatever apparently <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh yeah they he he says his farewells to them and then uh, Uncle Charlie shows up and he's like you know uh, I'm gonna I we were thick as thieves when we were kids or whatever he says. We we loved each other when we were younger and uh, I love to take the care of the both of you and you know, let's go down to Florida. And I just wrote late. And
0: <laughs> <laughs> this uh, during this montage scene of the of the bus traveling to Florida, that's when I took Dude. the note that the music is terrible. This yeah, this scene right here, this montage of the them traveling to, to Florida. first off, I didn't know where they were coming from. I must have missed that because when they were on that base, it looked like Florida to begin with. But I was like, OK, no big deal. Um, but yeah, them them on that bus to Florida was the worst music in the whole movie, I thought.
1: Oh, it was terrible. There, This was, yeah, this was the first, we went from that montage rock music to this just shitty, like, it just felt like they just took some old 70s music that they had left over uh, and they threw it in there. It didn't feel really good. and It didn't kinda, feel right, I, yeah. And, then, and I actually wrote at that point, I'm like, oh shit, I hope Corey doesn't hate me at this point because that scene kind of started to suck for me and i thought oh boy
0: but as bonkers as the opening was with the dad uh telling his son did you jerk off too much last night and then <laughs> telling his daughter that uh her, she has a hot hot bod um i was like you know what this scene is terrible and i and my hatred for zach is rising as as the music plays <laughs> but i was like no i was like no that it started so insane that I i have to believe that this is gonna just keep going
1: and keep going and it does and it does, it does, because next thing you know, Lauren, uh they, they make a pit stop or whatever, they're waiting for Uncle Charlie and they're in front of like a gas station. No, what is it? A hotel, sorry. Uh, and Lauren's playing guitar. Very shitty, by the way. Like his guitar playing, I'm like, is this supposed to show off how good he is at guitar or how out of tune this guitar is? <laughs> and we got these old folks sitting there and they're just like, Yeah, this is good shit and he's he's terrible. Sounds terrible. And uh Uncle Char Uncle Charlie? Charlie? Uncle Charlie shows up in this pimp 1960s red convertible oh and God. uh cherry oh, i mean absolute cherry. cherry
0: perfect condition cherry
1: very very important to note how cherry it is and how beautiful it is because that's going to come into play a little bit yeah. <laughs> um and then he's like come on guys hop in the car and let's go to let's go home you know now and did
0: you notice in this scene when he's talking to them it's it's they kind of do like just sort of like One master shot here, and they don't really like do cuts or anything. The ADR on Uncle Charlie when he's talking to (laughs) them—I mean, it's like it's like you know. And I assume most of you all know, but like for those of you don't, whenever you do ADR, um, you watch the film and then the actor kind of matches up their talking to what's saying, like what their mouth is doing on the screen. Dude, you can see like uncle charlie doesn't even move his mouth when his when he's talking like it's 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 really really bad like yeah, it's he, the worst adr i've ever seen
1: yeah and and he's i don't know from the month cuz so because i hadn't seen this movie since i was a kid and i only saw it once i really didn't remember a whole lot about it But initially was like, this guy's shady as fuck. Like something, something's up about this guy. And, uh, he's like, ah, we're going to have a great time together. And while his mouth's not moving and, you know, (laughs) all that shit. So, um, yeah, the, the best, the best, uh, example of ADR is like watching a Kung Fu movie where they try to dub over them. And you're like, wow, this is so bad. And, you know, anyways, um. They're they're on their way to Santa's Funland.
0: Yeah, that's his. And that's that, was, his, that was that.
1: Was,
0: that's, your, <laughs> that's a weird sorry. thing. It's his amusement park, right? So he yeah. Uncle Charlie owns like a like a sideshow attraction amusement yeah. park.
1: So th- that that delay was on purpose because you get there and you're like, it looks just looks run down and shitty. And he's like, oh, I just got this, and he's super proud of it. And it reminded me of, yeah, unsadly, it reminds me of things you see nowadays on the five driving from Cal uh, in California, uh, driving up from Los Angeles to the Bay Area. Just run down. And we all know about them run down amusement parks that the tumbleweeds have grown. And it's sad because it looks like there was a time when it was really popping. But this is 85 when that shit was pretty popular. And it's looks it looks like a dump. And so, you know, Lauren and Abby are like trying to have smiles on their faces and stay positive. Their fucking parents just died. You know, <laughs> come on. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and th- they get there and they meet uh, Charlie's wife, their Aunt Faye. Aunt Faye! At Santa's Funland! And then Charlie starts showing them around and he's, he's uh, showing them all the animals. And he's like, oh, this one's, you know, fiddle-faddle and this is butterscotch or whatever the hell their names are and, <laughs> and and abby picks up this little rabbit and he's like oh we haven't named that one yet what what do you want to call her and she's like I'm molly i want to call her molly i'm 17 uh and you know he charlie's like this is a, this is a gold mine this this place has got to be my future hobber, hobber, hobber. and you're just like dude this guy reeks of scam artist reeks of uh, every dude who's, like, told you they got this great idea, and it goes nowhere. And yeah. uh, it, it, you're, like, think something's up with this guy. This is a character choice or a choice in the screenplay that I felt, like, didn't get dug deep enough. I felt like they should have gone deeper, and I'll talk about that later. But, uh, but yeah, I just feel like this was setting up a really big thing, and it really didn't go anywhere. Uh, but anyways, it's still a moment where you're like, this guy feels shady as hell. And he goes, well, let me show, show you to your new, your new, your new room. And he brings him to a fucking shed <laughs> or like a barn, you know? Yeah, it's not even dude. a barn; it's like half a barn, dude. It's a fucking shed. I wrote, it's a shed.
0: Yeah, it it's is a shed. shed. It is. A, it's an absolute shed. They with two are cots. In, yeah, <laughs> with a bunch of cots and uh, right next to each other. Like
1: it's. Yeah, dude. Dude. They're not. They're not eight. And they're like not. Chain children. You're not going to chain them up. <laughs> Keep them in there. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, man. That just went from like the time of their lives to a fucking
0: hell hole.
1: Hell hole. And they're
0: taking it in stride too.
1: They're oh, like, they're being, trying to you know, so they're kind of like, okay, yes. sure.
0: They, they, they seem very upbeat about it.
1: <laughs> I know. I felt so bad because again, and I'll say it all. I'll say it many times in this podcast. Their parents just died. Just died. Like just horrible. Died. And now yeah. they're like in this disgusting uh, tetanus shot, you know, rusty cage. And and then and Lauren's trying to be, he's like, oh, we can put a, a curtain up between us. And Abby's like, yeah, I guess we, you know, and they're like trying to stay positive. And you're like, oh man, this is only going to get worse. Only going to get worse. <laughs> so cue to cut to the next scene. Uh, they're at school and, and uh, Abby is in, here's the thing about names, by the way, like if you're going to have a brother and sister, Make the names—I don't know. Make them more like Lauren and Abby. Sounds like Lauren is. I would think it's more of a, a female name. Personally, yeah, I don't know. The if only that's Lauren or not. I
0: know is Lauren Michaels from SNL.
1: Oh, and I know Lauren Green from Battlestar Galactica. But that's that's see, if
0: Lauren feels like for a guy. Lauren feels like an old school name for a dude.
1: Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I just—I don't know. I would have called him like Mike. <laughs> yeah well i didn't realize this, yeah
0: i didn't even when they at the very beginning when they were saying lauren i didn't know who the hell they were talking about i was like oh <laughs> what? oh that's Which one that's his name that's the man's name the high school man's name is lauren the man's name
1: baby um yeah so so they're in a they cut to this classroom and it's there it's the middle of math and no one's listening to this teacher and the math teacher asks Abby a question and about this math problem and she can't solve it but Eric Stoltz is sitting right next to her and he's like hey you know kind of showing his the answer on his paper and she doesn't say the answer she's like I don't know and uh, they leave class and he's like hey why didn't you why didn't you do that why don't you uh you know answer the problem or whatever and 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 I like this this speaks to her integrity because she's like no I you know I'm not going to do that, or something to that effect. It basically he goes, shows that goes, she's a good kid.
0: He was like, "Didn't you know that it was correct?" He goes, "He goes, it was correct." And she goes, "I know." He's like, "And something like yeah," implying that she knew that the answer was correct that he was given her. She knew that he wasn't lying, but she wasn't going to cheat. She's not a cheater, and that's that was the implication. And I like that. Like you said, it, it, it that's a great little dialogue character piece that gives you insight into a character. Yeah. I think that yeah. was fantastic.
1: Yeah, this is this is a. For an exploitation film it's a smart there's it's a pretty smart screenplay it kind of covers all the bases um and eric stoltz is funny because he says can i see you again and she's like yeah tomorrow in class (laughs) or something like that and um and then you see cue the redneck the redneck gang walk up and they start picking on the new kids and they're like oh the new kid who are those new kids and John Philbin, and I just wrote down like his character Gid. He's like he's such a dick, he's such a dick. And they're like they're messing with her and picking on her, and she's not phased. Lauren, or sorry, they're both both Lauren and Abby are like whatever. It's not a big deal, and Lauren's not. He's like drinking wa- Oh, sorry. I think Gideon's drinking water, and well, Lauren's he uh,
0: Gideon jumps in line to to fuck yeah. with Lauren because uh, he's waiting, you know, for his drink or something, you know, at the water fountain, and yeah. uh, you know, and and I, I think the bad guys in this movie have no redeeming qualities. Like, I think we talked about it in tough turf, how, you know, we, we kind of like, are the bad guys really bad? They seem a little bit, little sillier. These bad guys, I always felt the threat from the very beginning. Uh, I always felt that they, I felt that they were truly bad guys and, you know, we'll keep seeing more and more of why But on the same side, (laughs) on the flip side of that coin, you know, I was like, Lauren, he could clearly take any of them. also knowing that his dad was such a military guy. I yeah. never quite felt afraid for Lauren. I always thought that he would would probably win in a battle against any one of those guys. Um, yeah. but I did like Gideon. I, I like John Philbin's character. I like the the goons. I thought they were they they were they were scary, which is good. that's how you want that's what you want them to be in these movies, especially James spader.
1: Yeah, I would take the gang from 1984 and the, this gang and kind of put them together as far as kind of comparable in the, in the sense that they're, there's no redeeming qualities. They're evil. Uh, yeah,
0: but like, like 1984 has Sp- Spedman. Um, wait, was that Oh, well, yes,
1: game? Yeah, Stedman.
0: Stedman. There you go. Yeah. Uh, 1984 as Stedman makes it a little bit more. Uh, I don't know. Not I, I want to say zany. The, these of all the three movies, I would say these are the scariest toughs of all three of these movies that we've seen.
1: Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. And and, and it just gets ramped up as the movie goes on. But I, I totally agree. Lauren, like at this point, I'm like, Lauren's a badass. Lawrence cool yeah. he because he's, he's not clearly... he doesn't back down he looks him right
0: no. in the eye and he's yeah. like he's like you know right in the eye to Gideon and he's just like yeah okay and he's he's not picking the fight and you know Gideon's no. like you got tr- trouble and Lauren's like no man I'm cool I'm I can buy easy you know and let's keep in mind like you said his parents just, just died died like like this dude could <laughs> pop off at. Any fucking second, you know, and understandably
1: uh, so. Understandable, like yeah. if he if he was a, had a chip on his shoulder and was, you know, people would be like, "Oh, he's a prick." No, then that would be understandable too because your parents just died. But he's kind of cool, cool, calm, and collected.
0: But both him and his sister are really cool fucking people. They're living in a yep. new area, a new a new school, a new state. Their parents just died, and they're Dude. fucking. They're not giving anyone cold shoulders. They're actually nope. like engaging in
1: conversation with new people. Like these are well-adjusted kids. They are well-adjusted kids who are about to get seriously fucked with, and um, yeah, and and so because right after the scene ends, it cuts to Dutra and his gang, uh, and they're shooting guns because as rednecks do and uh you know it's funny cuz again I'll reference a comment I read on the IMDB someone said oh it's a cliche herbs rotten tomatoes or whatever who cares uh something about how they're they're very cliche or um you know cookie cutter characters I'm like no there's there's rednecks that do this shit like there's people that whether they're rednecks or not there's people that sit in the backyard of their in the, in the swamp and shoot off guns and yeah. think it's cool and whatever it's it's very normal but then they start talking about the new kids and they start taking bets on who's gonna who's gonna fuck abby first <laughs> and uh which is so man it's like you know this shit went down you know this shit goes down nowadays yeah. like people do this stuff high school kids who have nothing to, to do do this shit
0: and let's let's establish real quick that it 's a gang of five you have John Feldman is gideon uh, you have yeah. the leader is james spader Who's then you Doudra. have this then you have three guys um uh one of them he 's the one that makes the bet on neither of them getting her, so he 's kind of like third in charge and then you yeah, got the strong, joe bob you got the strong arm <laughs> goon and then you got the just the the other goon the the more yeah. goon so i 'd say like two two of the three are are stereotypical cardboard cutouts but I think yeah. the other three are actually pretty decent and then then it, it's gonna come into play at the very end of the movie but there is a sixth member of their goon squad who is a like a like an 11 year old younger brother to one of them yeah. and yeah. uh uh they when he goes to put up the 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 new shoot like the new targets, the new glass jars, the yeah. mason jars on because the, they're all shooting fucking the the one goon shoots at that kid's feet, man. They they yeah they shoot bullets at people like it's like a paintball or something with these goons. It's crazy, <laughs> yeah, they,
1: dude. They get way way too much access to guns and uh and all sorts of craziness but yeah chad bob chad bob comes back in a very important way towards the end chad bob there's joe bob and chad bob <laughs> is that his I name or did that. You just make that up no it's chad bob oh, if you okay. look in the credits it says chad bob
0: <laughs> oh okay well so wait, joe bob and chad bob so which one's joe think, bob then
1: i think joe bob is he's the one with he wears a hat most of the time baseball cap oh. and uh well, they all do, I think. But Well, yeah, I was going to uh, say,
0: so does the big, like, the strong-arm goon, too. Yeah, um, Ch- Chat,
1: Joe Bob is the one who kind of, at one point, wants to back out of, you know— Yeah, okay, oh, that's,
0: that's the guy that—yeah, um. Yeah, the one that wants to back out later, but then, you know, kind of doesn't. He's the one that bets against the two of them. Yeah, he's, like, the third most interesting goon, uh, but yeah. he doesn't have quite as much— to do as James Spader or, uh, John Philman Philbin, who are the clearly the two main goons, but he does, uh, Chad and Joe Bob does round it out though <laughs> a little bit. Fuck. <laughs> who Chad gives a shit? Job. They're all, they're all well, bullshit anyways. No, but,
1: but I was going to say, I was going to say though, uh, I feel like maybe the writer was at one point going to try to paint a more sympathetic gang member, but then just decided not to like kind of pulled out last minute. That's my yeah. feel anyways um so from there it cuts back to Santa's funland and oh Charlie's so happy Uncle Charlie because he's like I just made seven dollars more off of <laughs> off a of peop- person coming into the uh, Santa's funland and then he starts complaining about his cash flow problem and that's when I'm like up oh, yep this is this is it this is where the, the his his character makes this turn of being a kind of a villain. Um, but then again, like I said, this doesn't play out exactly what i how I expected and then Abby so Abby and Lauren are working at Santa's. so not only do they live at Santa's Funland, but they have to work there too maybe that's their choice I don't know
0: yeah well they don't they don't seem upset by it they no, i mean no. and and yeah, it's weird because Uncle Charlie plays like a like like a scumbag, but then yeah. the uh, the characters of Lauren and Abby clearly like him and it, it's it's weird. It's it's definitely yeah. weird. It doesn't quite match up the way you think it's going to match up and I it doesn't go down the way you think it's going to go down, although it sort of does midway through the movie. Um and I don't know, man. It was it was weird, but I felt like it made it interesting. And I yeah. I like the fact that that they didn't. I mean, I felt like they were doing it because they wanted to. Like I felt like they were helping out there because they wanted to. Oh well, he yeah. does. I think Lauren does say at some point. I don't know exactly where to Abby that, that this is our home. We have to make the best of it, and you know yeah, we have to help yeah. out because they're helping us out. We don't have any yeah. other place to go. No, you're so. right. You're right.
1: He did. Yeah, and then if you think about two coming from a military background, and I guess my dad being my dad was a former Navy SEAL and was a really. uh kind of a taskmaster as a kid. So in a way I kind of related to their dad's character, waking them up. He didn't, he didn't ask me if I was whacking off the night before uh, or slap my brother's ass and say, he was, it, he's got a great bod. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I get the sense of like, you know, military family, my dad was very regimented. You have to fu- you know, you, everyone's got chores and stuff like that. So maybe I'm giving this more credit than it's due, but I'm saying maybe, you know, he had, they had chores
0: and it's not a cinderella type of scenario where you ever see the uncle being like oh we got to do this you never actually see him tell no. them what they have to do you no. only see the kids actually just doing it so you don't no. even know if the kids are just doing it to help out or if if they even you
1: know what i mean um yeah no that makes total sense i i think that yeah it's just they're going with the flow
0: right they're yeah a- with exactly the, they're going to right. fun the, they're very accommodating kids <laughs> uh, totally really good and, kids
1: right so so abby abby man's the gas station in front of santa's Funland, and um and james spader rolls up in his sweet sweet van this ford van like yes. this old 1960s van it is so fucking dope like and that thing's my buddy, cherry too it's so cherry my buddy terry terry chapman loves like vw vans like that old school look and I, I want I, I have to send him a screenshot of this because I'm like, have you ever seen these? Cause these are pretty I badass too. Really? Yeah, Jerry. that was
0: that was my note uh, right here on this scene was that uh, James Spader rocks an awesome van. And then <laughs> and my other note was dot dot dot. Did James
1: Spader bleach his eyebrows for this movie? <laughs> well, that's why you said which which one came out first, and I wonder that maybe this one came out second because he would have bleached his you know, his hair and yeah. his, and his or eyebrows he
0: filmed it second or whatever. Yeah. Cause yeah. He have to have bleached it.
1: Yeah. But yeah, he shows up. Dutra shows up and trying to look all charming because now at this point there's, you know what the motivation is now of the rednecks that they want to have sex with Abby. And so he's making his sweet moves on her, trying to be all charismatic. And, um and she's, she doesn't have, she doesn't want any of it. He's asking her out on a date and she's like, no, basically says no. in in a, in a polite way like she's, she's always like, oh, polite
0: I, she's i'm not interested she's never dude there's she Lori laughlin has such like a, a friendly face that even yeah. when she's like shooting you down it yeah. never <laughs> feels snobby it never yeah. feels anything other than she's like saying no it's it's cool like it's fine but no and and you know he of course because he's a complete psychopath takes it yeah just from zero to 60 and like dude in 2 seconds, right? Yeah, he
1: flips out. There's a, that that's the highlight of the one of the highlights of the movie of the trailer for this because the the line um uh I think she might even say, you know, you're acting crazy or something. He's like, "You want crazy? I'll show you crazy." Yeah. or something like that and just like and he storms off and and it's such a great moment cuz you're like, "Oh, shit. This is even you know, the dialogue at this point is 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 way more mature than a, a typical after school movie. Uh, PG. It's like R-rated shit. and But then at this point, you're like, yeah, but now the tone has gotten a lot darker, too. Yeah. And you're thinking, oh, shit, what's going to go down now? And uh, cue the sitcom music. I I wrote 60s sitcom music uh, commences, and the kids are back at school having a good time, and uh, like nothing ever happened. And Lauren's running track in his Dolphin shorts, which you love so much. And uh, Abby's in the library studying and fucking gid now makes his move john philbin's character gideon and he he like he sits on he like sits she's sitting down at a one of those oh what is it called they were the old like microfilm right where you're in the library and you read old news footage and she's like I, i forget i shit i meant i meant to write it down but it was it was dark it was like um Creepy stuff.
0: Dude, you mean you were talking about the microfiche when she was, like, fucking looking at the it, microfiche? Is that what it's called, microfiche? I think so. And, dude, that was, like, the busiest library I've ever seen in a high school.
1: Yeah, first of all, it was busy. Second of all, like, she was looking at disturbing pictures. And thirdly, Gid just, like, not all, he doesn't sit next to her, but he makes his move and he sits on her, like, in, her, in the back of her fucking, like, in the chair with her. And I'm like, who does that shit he like is such a he's such an over the top piece of crap in a good way. Like you want to hate these guys. You want to hate these guys because when they get their eventual comeuppance, it's it's all the more worth it. But uh, he's he's like, hey, you want to go see that movie, that drive in movie, Strawberry, uh, I don't know, Strawberry Girls or whatever. Silver Straw Girls. I, I don't I didn't write it down. But I love how on IMDb, you know, you go into their trivia and they're like telling you fun facts, right? Like for Return of the Living Dead, there were some great tidbits. For this one, there was like, there really isn't a movie called Strawberry Girls or whatever, whatever the movie they referenced. And I'm like, well, who cares? (laughs) Who gives a shit? It's a fucking movie. Yeah, the trivia
0: was a little sparse on this one.
1: Yeah, that was was really weak sauce. But anyways, uh, you know, Abby doesn't take no shit. She's like basically leave me alone you're not gonna you know you know just get out of here and he's like making his he's making tongue action at her and uh john philbin is just like eating up this scene just chewing it up you could tell he was having a good old time and yeah and, and then as yeah. as on he was so unassuming in return of the living
0: dead and that kind of helped the character <laughs> yeah. you know because yeah he, his character was a bit more on the shyer side it seemed like and here He's the exact opposite, which is fun. It's a lot of yeah. fun to to watch him have a good time and play around, you know, with the role and everything, uh, although I will say that, again, Abby, super, super nice. She's not, like, mean to him at all, like, she, I mean, and he warrants it. He warrants her yeah. being mad at him, but she doesn't ever really go fully, like, mean or anything.
1: No, I, I really, like, she, she maintains her integrity, again, for the second time, uh, and... And he hawks a loo. He's about to, looks like he's going to hawk a loogie in her face. And her reaction, I, I, I would love to know if, and I should have asked John this question, if she, um, if if that was not in the script, if that was like him improvising, because her reaction is so authentic. Like she thinks he's going to, she flinches, like she, he's going to spit in her face. And he hawks a loogie on the microfiche screen uh, and walks off. And and Mark rolls up, Eric Stoltz character, Mark rolls up and, You know wipes the screen off for like a gentleman like a gentleman that he is and he breaks it down to her about how you know they're horrible and you know they're just bad dudes right cut from there to lunchtime and now mark and abby and lauren are having lunch together and and lauren's scoping this chick out and it's a great i love this moment because lauren's scoping a blonde out uh at, at another table and he's asking about her and and Abby is, and they're both like, you know, you should make a move. You know, you should go ask her out, basically. And then, uh, Jutro, Dutra shows up and, and he walks over to Abby to like make up with her. And Abby rejects her and, and he, he calls her a bitch, you know. And that's when Lauren just steps up and gets in his fucking face. And it's such a great moment because you're like, big brother, whatever. Maybe they're twins because they look like they're both seniors. He's like, you know, do not, the look, the look he gives him, the reaction is so fucking awesome because he—it just feels authentic. Like I'm gonna kick your ass if you say anything about my sister again.
0: Yeah, and he's so much bigger than James Spader—not height wise, but you could just tell, like mass wise, he's he's stronger and a bigger person. Again, I I never felt afraid for Lauren in this movie.
1: No, no, and he, yeah, and he again, he's such a badass. And Mark's like, "You should stay out of his face." <laughs> I'm thinking. Just stay out of his face, but yeah, don't talk shit about your sister, right? He's standing up to her. He's he's being a good brother. And then it cuts from that to back to Santa's fun land with Uncle Charlie on the phone, trying to get a generator or some shit like something for yeah his. he's
0: trying to get a yeah because he's losing money because he's uh, bringing people in during the day but because there's no generator there's no uh, they have no lights at night so he's like yeah. look we're, we're losing half of our profits because we you know can't bring in people at night
1: yeah they're only they're only twenty five minutes off the road <laughs> if you think about that twenty five minutes off the road back in nineteen eighty five that's really far. Yeah, I'm saying. Well, (laughs) yeah. And he's
0: like, we're near like the the third busiest interstate uh, in in Florida. Florida. You know how many people drive on that interstate? And Lauren's like, no. And he's like, well, neither do I. But it's a lot. You
1: know, (laughs) I know, dude. He's such a big talker. And and Faye is like you could tell Faye's starting to get tired of his shit. And he's got a great line. He's like, honey, you're going to be farting through silk. And I'm like, Wait. I wrote
0: that down. I said, <laughs> what does that mean? We're going to be farting through silk.
1: So silk pajamas, you know, expensive yeah. pajamas. And then they sit around and they're, you know, farting through their silk pajamas, I guess, because they're expensive. Like, what a, don't know. He's such a dirty dude, d- dirty dog. You know, uh, he's <laughs> oh good. Lovable Charlie, you know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> and oh, then real we go quick. Yeah. Uh, the term, <laughs> you dirty dog.
0: I've I never heard anyone else really say that, um, except for when I used to work at the uh, video store that I, you know, when I was Randall back in the 90s. Uh, yeah. I worked at this mom and pop adult video store, and we had a Terminator 2 Judgment Day pinball <laughs> machine oh, that cool. we had this one, like, hippie guy. He would never rent any porn movies. He would just come in, he'd play his uh, Terminator 2 pinball, and he'd kind of roll out. But whenever he lost, it always go, oh, you dirty dog! <laughs> and to this day, I like to call. I always call, oh, you dirty dog, you. <laughs> I
1: think I, I think that's what I got. I got, probably got that from you then. Because I never, <laughs> I never say that shit. I say some other things that uh, will not be mentioned on this podcast that I may get in trouble for. So, <laughs> and you know what one of them is, but uh, dirty but dog, <laughs> dirty dog, you. Now, Zach, uh,
0: <laughs> is this the this is the scene where the the you find out that. Um, Lauren gave money to Oh. Well, yeah Charlie. yeah so
1: yeah the next scene is is in in the shed and Lauren in I wrote Lauren I said Lauren's getting ready to beat his meat because he looked like he was uh I don't know he just looked <laughs> it's like it's jerk time so uh and and Abby asks him if he's given Charlie more cash because it's already been implied up this up to this point that they're giving Charlie money And and he says, yeah, I've only given him. We have a little bit left over. And I'm assuming whatever the parents had in their life insurance policy or whatever that was left to them after the parents died, uh, that's what that's what she's referring to yeah
0: that's what she's referring to and and he gave i think he said he gave uncle charlie like two grand or something two thousand and yeah. they have a little bit left and let's say uncle charlie dipped in like five six hundred bucks before that does that mean that those two kids walked away with an inheritance of like three thousand dollars <laughs> Yes,
1: dude that yes that that's i actually wrote that down i'm like how much money wow that's really fucking sad well,
0: Actually, you know what? You know what? I, I, I'm not in the military, although my brother-in-law is, uh, was. He used to be. Um, I could ask him. But I wonder. I wonder if it's the fact that their parents got killed in a car accident and not in, like— like active duty that the military just didn't really pay much out because of it. It was, you know what I mean? Like if the dad died in, in serving the armed forces, I think he would have, they would have maybe made more money, but then the dad's like a Colonel, like, and it's funny because we just got finished watching Return of the Living Dead part one and the Colonel in that movie, he's living in the Pacific Palisades, right? He's living in like Malibu and then here the Colonel Dies and he leaves his two kids like three grand. So I, yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know how much colonels make in the army.
1: Well, one, they were still living on base. I think. Okay. Uh, in, in in when they were alive. Yes. And two, I it just came to me maybe once they turn eighteen is when. They get the inheritance because oftentimes, right? They the the money is frozen until they become an adult oh. or something to protect G- it. Or I don't good, know.
0: Yes, yes, that's actually. So you're <laughs> saying there actually could be more money waiting for Uncle Charlie once these two uh, c- clear adults turn into eighteen yeah. uh, year olds.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and it's and it's revealed in that at that point that Charlie has has taken money from Lauren. And you're thinking, oh, shit, like this guy's totally taking advantage of his kids. No wonder he wanted to bring them down for what, $2,000, maybe more when they turn 18. And then Lauren's like, look, but we're family, you know, and, and family's got to stick together. And he he looks at it in, from a positive angle. I felt like at this point they kind of they didn't drop it completely, but they kind of changed the the um the the impact or the the, the overall it wasn't as relevant going forward as it, maybe was up to this point does that make sense
0: yeah yeah it it was a weird subplot of the movie that it it does have a conclusion like it does pay off and just kind of like not the way you think it's going to and yeah Yeah. I I tracked it as uncle Charlie was a scumbag especially in the next scene we'll just (laughs) the next scene will sort of tie it together pretty easily where he lets them borrow his his car which is cool but then he gives them some spending money in the next scene and he kind of like does it like here you go here's some here... have fun kids here's a little spending money and i'm like that's their money like yeah. he's giving him back their money and it's and he's acting like all proud about it like he's doing like this big charitable thing yeah. um of course it's cool them him letting them uh, uh drive his car right although you yeah. know what happens there but I don't know, man. Like you track Uncle Charlie as being a scumbag, sort of, sort of, not really. Like not, he's got one foot in the scumbag door and one foot out. Uh, yeah. But then the way it all, and then at the very end, you know, spoiler, alert, it's it's he kind of redeems himself. He comes back around. So he does, yeah, I don't know, man. I, the Uncle Charlie scenario is kind of weird.
1: He's kind of the shyster carnival guy, you know. Trying, but he's to, not a bad guy though. No, 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 and and yeah, because oh, back up a little bit because. Right after they they reveal this, uh, Dutro has na- and, and Dutra and his gang have like kind of trashed the carnival a little bit, and Charlie calls the cops. Right?
0: Oh, that was and, okay. Yeah, sorry about that. We skipped yeah, over. Oh, no. I forgot that was that scene there.
1: It's okay. Yeah. So yeah, Dutra, you know, it, it, it had had trashed the it wrote some shit on the wall, like spray painted, and and um, not as bad as it goes later on in the movie, but yeah, Charlie calls this- the cops and right.
0: Yeah, this was, like, a little precursor. Like, the damage that they did, it was minimal compared to, like, later.
1: No, yeah, this is, like, the reaction to Abby not going for the dudes and then Lauren standing up to Dutra and um, uh, the retaliation, rather. And the cops show up. Well, the sheriff shows up, and he brings his daughter along, who happens to be the chick that Lauren was scoping at lunch. And... Part of me was like, oh, this is an interesting twist because usually in cliche in a lot of movies, like the sheriff's daughter, uh, the sheriff's kind of a jerk and the, and the daughter is like the promiscuous one. And, and Karen seems definitely flirtatious. She spots Lauren and I wrote down, she walks, she sees Abby and she walks on and Abby's like the worst painter in the world because she's painting, <laughs> repainting the fence. And it's like, it's like, it's not, it's not Daniel from Karate Kid painting. It's, it's more like. <laughs> I, it looks like a three-year-old painting with a brush. It's just like gay, gay, just like really shitty. So uh, I wrote, "She's the worst painter in the world." And Karen scopes out Lauren. Lauren's uh, up near a barn working on something, and she climbs up the ladder that Lauren's on to help him out. And she's all right up in his, right up in his, in his man hairy legs and short shorts and making her move. And I just wrote, "God damn, she, she equally is." Uh, as, as infatuated with Lauren as he is with her,
0: right? And I thought she was quite cute.
1: Oh, I, yeah. She's really cute. And uh, it's, it's a cool little dynamic because you're like, okay, this is another twist where is she going to get affected by Dutra's gang? And and so at this point, that's when Charlie's like, hey, I need you to go into town and you take my car and I'm good old Uncle Charlie. And you're like, yeah. Yeah, like we you and I were just talking about. You like him on one hand. On the other hand, you feel like he's gonna be a dick like you're not yeah. It's kind of an in between and they go into town and they're at the paint store getting more paint and uh, she notices that Dutra and his gang are, are checking out Charlie's car across the way they're like in the car just being dicks and they, sh- and they get over there to, to see what's going on uh, Lauren and Abby do and they realize the side of the they've keyed uh, Charlie's car on the passenger side really deep and it's so fucked up. Like it just looks destroyed on that side. Yeah. And and they're both pissed. And and then you know Dutra's gang's like, oh, looks like someone keyed your car. A, well, yeah, it was a couple guys with big big hats, big tall guys, and they just took off. And we didn't. We uh, I don't. They went down the road there. And the and the cops show up. And and the cops are like, yeah, what what what's happening here? And they're like, well. I reckon they they took off, and we don't know what happened. And you can tell the sh- the cop is like, yeah, you guys had something to do with this, but they've got no way to prove it.
0: And he's like, you can, you know, tell, tells Abby you can make a police report if you want, but, like, you know, what that going to do? And the, like yeah. you said earlier, the cops, I mean, they're not ineffectual. Like, they're, they're trying to do their job, and they don't get much of a spotlight in the movie, but... I did like the fact that they were never, like, not believing them. It wasn't one of those, oh, we don't believe you. Like, these yeah. kids aren't bad kids. Like, they weren't the cliche, you know, cops that aren't really doing anything. They're, they 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 behaved like normal cops, I thought.
1: Yeah, I felt like this this exchange and the next scene were just kind of sped up a little bit. Or maybe there's stuff that they cut out because it just kind of ended. And then they go to the next scene where Charlie... Uh, they they pull up at Santa's Fun Land and Charlie comes out. Hey guys, what's going on? And and then they they show him the car and he's like, ah, mortified, <laughs> you know, <laughs> at the carnage on the side on the side of his car. And then they kind of end that scene right there, just kind of ends, you know. And yeah. it cuts the, and and then it cuts the the nighttime at Dutra's house and Lauren shows up covert, like his daddy taught him. And he sit and he and with the sitcom like Barney Miller. Detective music playing in the background, which again I think takes away from the scene. Just the—it's amazing what music can do or not do to a scene. <laughs> uh, because I'm it's, like, this—it's amazing
0: what Speedo underwear can do to make James Spader <laughs> oh, look no. like a 40-year-old man <laughs> so, supposed to be a high schooler.
1: So we 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 cut to Lauren breaking into Dutra's house, and Lauren gets in Dutra's room, and Dutra is laying down on his bed with the sheets off fully in his little speedo with his, with his 40 year old man body. And it's, (laughs) this is twice. This is the movie opens with a a shot of a quote unquote
0: kid laying in bed in their underwear, a kid that is clearly a man. And now again, we have James Spader as Dutro and we made this comment. I made this comment in tough turf of how he has the body of an, of a man of an adult. And, uh, and, and again, he's like, Straight up, like almost naked, but he's in like these little speedo underwear things, and I'm like, yeah. "What the fuck is happening? Like, wh- what is happening right now?" But yeah. the fact that <laughs> that Lorne broke in there and and basically, well, tell him what he does to boot, to Dutra.
1: So he he you know he ties him up, he puts a knife to his neck, and he's like, you know, don't fucking say anything, and and and, uh, and you know and and he and he gets him like. It gets him into that. He's basically he says, uh, "I came here to accept your apology and payment." for, yeah, for the, the car. For the car, and I'm like, "This is fucking badass, right?" And Dude, he, it's so badass. It's it's so
0: badass, beca- and it's even more badass because he 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 like shuffles through Dutro's um like stuff, pulls out yeah. a shit ton of money because you find out that Dutro's selling drugs. He's got bags. Yeah, he pulls of drugs out the drugs. That, too, yeah, that's, in his Sunday so service. So you saw that, right? And Sunday and service. so like, Lauren's like, you know, I I, I accept your apology and payment, and. The cool fucking thing is yep. Lauren took a wad of cash, but he only took the amount of money that like would be required to fix the car. Like he took yep. like, you know, like maybe a hundred bucks and he fucking then yep. threw the wad of cash on uh, James Spader's, you know, uh, naked boy body. And but like the <laughs> fact that he fucking like he didn't take all the money, right? Like he didn't no. take all of it. He just took what he what was I mean. That's what I liked about this movie is that the two kids, Lauren and Abby, are honorable. They do so much to show you that they are honorable people is what I really, really like about it. I thought that was really cool. And just the fucking balls that Lauren had to just breaking into James Spader's house with with no like scoping it out or anything. He just like goes in there, fucking find James Spader's room and just I mean, if I were James Spader, I would have been fucking terrified, dude, because he had a nice to his throat. Lorne was almost scarier than the actual uh villains in this movie. He could have easily been cast as one of them, but yeah, he was a little bit of a better actor, and I think his face was a little bit more friendly than, than like the actor's face is a little bit more friendly than the rest of the the goons. So I think they kind of uh put him over as as Lorne. Uh but I, I could totally I wouldn't have been surprised if Lorne auditioned for like James Spader's role, and James Spader auditioned for for the Lorne role, and then they just you know oh they said no you know this is better to just reverse it like it wouldn't surprise yeah. me if if I heard that at all.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's cool because there is he he he's got he yeah he he could go either way. I felt like, and I think we talked about this with Tough Turf. I always loved casting. Marvel characters and I'm like oh this guy would be a great Matt Murdock too this guy would be a great you know uh Marvel superhero because he's got he's yeah he's got just this this kind of dope quality about him on screen where you're like I have no idea who this actor is and you would have blown him off if you just saw a photo of Lauren which I did I remember seeing the stock footage photos and like it kind of looks like a generic actor or whatever then you see his performance and you're like no this guy is really selling it he he really makes you identify with these characters and go, okay, yeah. And let's also throw in the fact that their dad was received the medal of valor, right. For his, for, and so, for basically,
0: yeah. uh, I think uh, it was um, for, like, defusing a terrorist situation on a yeah. plane, which like which Delta I Force. took as very 1985, dude. Remember yes. back in the—dude, it was almost like every other week you'd hear about, like, oh terrorists taking over a plane or something yeah. on the tarmac. And then, uh, you know, and then it would be sitting on there while someone had a bomb. Like, yeah, yeah. that was very much a product of the 80s, and uh, yeah. they'd really tapped into that
1: yeah delta force uh kind of kind of shit like their dad's a, like a badass just takes out takes out the dudes that are the hotheads which is kind of yeah. what lauren's doing with dutra you know and yep. gives him a chance and uh yeah it after that lauren's back at charlie's on the phone or charlie's reading the newspaper or something and lauren sits down charlie's got that i'm angry at you but your parents died so i'm gonna be nice to you look and uh and he gives him the wad of cash to fix the car, and then Charlie's happy. He's so happy now, and oh my gosh. And he yeah. didn't ask.
0: He didn't ask where the money came from.
1: No, no, like fuck you, Charlie. Come on, <laughs> you know, just like okay. Well, that uh, again, maybe just poor writing, I guess. But they just kind of sped it up and just kind of let it go, you know. And uh, and and then Abby's playing with the animals outside, and and you realize she's being watched by Dutra in a kind of a stalker jason friday the 13th kind of way and uh you know something bad's gonna happen very soon and it cuts from there to chad bob Ch- good old little chad bob <laughs> i love that name uh and then gideon and the gang are fucking with they chop a chicken's head off and drain the blood out and i'm like whoa okay animal mutilation okay Jack, yeah
0: <laughs> yeah. Did you? Uh. Well. Yes. Yes. And I actually have a different note <laughs> later that okay. will be applied to you uh, for animal mutilation and, and your love <laughs> of movies that do it. Um. But uh, uh. Dude. They literally cut off a fucking chicken's head, like a real chicken's yeah. head, and that was. Uh, I and I had to think for a second. I was like, I wonder how you get away with this, like with the uh, with Peta. Do, is it because, like, if you were going to eat it anyways, can you just film it? Like, if you were going to kill or slaughter this chicken to eat it, can we film it and is that okay? Do you know what I mean? Is is that yeah. okay as far as PETA goes? And then two, it reminded me of uh, the very first episode, the pilot episode of Little House on the Prairie. The youngest <laughs> youngest daughter, Laura Ingalls, whatever, uh, uh, was running through the prairie and—, and there's just this one scene where I remember the the guy with the beard, like the friend of the families or whatever. Uh-huh. He he yells at her to stop because there's a rattlesnake in the very pilot. The f- pilot he fucking shoots it. They have a shot of a rattlesnake's real rattlesnake's head exploding oh, right in the first shot of oh, like a Little House on the Prairie. And <laughs> I saw that when I was younger with uh with a buddy of mine. I was like, holy fuck, really? I'm like yeah, that you could do that back in the seventies, I guess. But uh yeah, man, cutting <laughs> off the chicken's head. I was like, huh. Huh, that's weird. You couldn't get away with that now. Because, I mean, I think even in Starship Troopers, they had a hard time, uh, Peter had a hard time with that scene where they were stomping on all the bugs. You oh, know?
1: Yeah. oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I, I think the 90s, the 90s was when the term politically correct started coming into play and people becoming more sensitized to that shit. I don't know exactly the backstory on, on the whole chicken thing, but maybe, like, they had to, who knows? I'm speculating, but maybe they had to show that they were going to, yeah pluck it and cook it later or something because they're on an yeah. actual farm and uh but yeah they use that they use that chicken and the chicken blood to show that the dog they're they have a pit bull and that the the pit bull gets riled up by the smell of blood and and dutra's <laughs> you know talking about how they can smell it from a you know ways away and uh and 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 it's kind of a foreshadow for what's yes. going to happen later on yep and um and Dutra shows up and gets the dog more wild up, and he and he wants to go off to Funland and and do some do some Funland shit. And uh, I think it's Joe Bob who who hesitates a little bit. He's like, maybe we need to like back off a little bit. And Dutra's like, well, then you're you're out of the gang, you know. And he's like, well, I don't want to be out of the gang. I I, I want to be. That's not why I did that. And so there's that one moment where he's got the redeeming quality. Yeah. But then it just kind of gets shoved down the toilet really quickly. It gets squashed because. You know, he, he's he's still a redneck asshole. At this point the sheriff shows up and starts asking about the Funland incident and basically tells him that to stop fucking around with with them, with uh Lauren and Abby. And then it cuts back to Funland and it's closing up and Abby's alone and there's like this, you know, creepy, um you know, she's walking through the the the, the, the animal area of Funland and a goose scares her and and then Abby gets to her shed. <laughs> and goes upstairs. <laughs> and goes upstairs uh, to get her clothes or something like that. And, and there's a creepy fucking elf like on the on the on the loft area of this shed. I'm like, what? Wouldn't that creep the hell out of you, dude? Like, it's so creepy looking. Put a blanket over that thing, or I don't know, get rid of it. And uh, it just creeped me out just looking at it. And then next thing you know, she's getting ready to take a shower. And it's very Friday the 13th. POV shot with clearly you know it's dutra it's either dutra or gid gideon and they throw a what ends up being dutra because he's got like the fancy shoes on or yeah something like that and um and she's and abby's taking a shower and next thing you know a Molly, the bunny rabbit, from the beginning of the movie that she chose, gets thrown in, mutilated bunny rabbit with blood all over it. We're three for three now, guys. Dude. We're three
0: for three mutilated bunny rabbits. And my note was, <laughs> there. this is... Uh, what. Hold on. <laughs> uh, Zach <laughs> loves movies
1: where rabbits get killed. That's my note. Oh, shit. <laughs> I love all animals, uh, but there's something about the it's a great motivator for one to take revenge on someone for hurting an animal. Yes. Like, you, you just killed my fucking rabbit. I mean, gonna cut your dick off, uh, <laughs> which doesn't happen, but you know, I'll, I, there, there's a, there's an Australian horror film uh, actually remind me to bring up this Australian horror film at the end because it, it really connects with the pit bull, okay. uh, w- which we're going to get back to in a little bit. But anyways, yeah, that happens. And you're like, jesus you know that's this uh horrible mutilated molly cuts to the next day lauren confronts gideon and he tells him to leave his sister alone and which he should be saying to dutra really and they're on
0: the parking lot right uh and like out by his truck or whatever
1: yeah yeah and and it's uh and it's it's a moment where part of me was like shouldn't you be saying this to dutra right now but who cares? they're all part of the same gang, so you kick one guy's ass, they're all gonna get affected by it and uh and Gideon's like you know you're gonna you're I'm gonna knock your dick in the dirt or something like that, <laughs> which is a great line, and I've only heard that in a few other movies, and it's always a redneck that says it, so maybe that's <laughs> something that let me knock your dick in the dirt, and Lauren just kicks the shit out of him, just kicks his ass, dude, my note was you definitely shouldn't fuck with the kids of an
0: army colonel like. I was I was like, yes, like when Lauren just wiped the fucking floor with them. He just yeah. destroyed both him and the the fat guy, you know, the the stupid, slow, fat one. And uh, <laughs> he he beat the shit out of Gideon, man. It was great in front of everyone, too. Like the entire yep. school totally yep. just deflated them, you know, or, or at least you think it would. It should have deflated them. But I mean, Lauren just wipes the fucking floor with them.
1: And I think even Lauren says, like, that's it.
0: Yeah, it's over. Like, We're done. The,
1: yeah. And, and and I love that. And yeah,
0: and Lauren is so capable in this movie. He's already broken into Deidre's, Deidre, I forgot his name, uh, James Spader's house. And it's a weird name. Dutra? What is his name? Dutra.
1: It's, Dutra. it's not Dutro. It's Dutra, D-U-T-R-A
0: that's sorry, uh, Yeah. That's so weird. Um, yeah. James Spader's house and like threatened him. He's yep. beating up Gideon. Like yep. guys back the fuck off. You have yeah. clearly bit off more than you can chew here.
1: Yep. But it's, uh, again, I, uh, I think, you know, it's dipshits who don't, don't know when to fucking say enough is enough. And they, they, they keep on keeping on, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, and then we're getting to a scene that you sent me a photo of the other day. Uh, because <laughs> now we're, you know, Talking, the uh, Karen and Abby are uh, on the field at the and, and track even the
0: music's P. lighter now. Like like yeah. Lawrence yeah, feeling good. like he, he's he's running with a smile because he thinks yeah. he cleared everything up. Like yeah. you know, like right now is almost it's almost as, it's it's a fake. Right now is a fake denouement. Like, if yes. the last scene was a, was the climax, this or it's a fake climax. This is a fake denouement, and you you think everything is 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 great, right? And yeah. and wonderful, and you know, and Lauren is just feeling totally a okay because he's got a hot girlfriend. His sister's you know fine. Like, he doesn't have to worry about her. She clearly has a nice guy too. He's got yeah. those hairy man legs to worry <laughs> about. Like, it's it's uh, life is going good, dude. And yeah. I think I think there was a, there's a shot here where where he's talking to his girlfriend and he's talking to uh, his sister and he does like this thing I think he kind of rolls onto the mat or something yeah
1: yeah and boy yeah, yeah. I was
0: waiting for those man testicles to just <laughs> fall out of those shorts dude
1: well I I was I was uh the yeah Abby and or it's Abby and Karen are are talking about Lauren. And, and then, yeah, Lauren rolls up, does his little roll, And I, I was thinking about you the whole time. Cause you, well, not because of the man hint. Well, yeah, I actually was thinking about you. Cause I'm like, oh <laughs> shit, Corey's going to love this part. And, uh, and, and, and Lauren's talking about how he was scoping out another chick on the field. He's yeah. At, life is great right now for them. Life is great. And then he grabs Karen and he's like, but I want you. And you like, at that point you realize that they're a couple and they've been together now. Uh, in, in a matter of a couple of days, but hey, when you're teenagers, that's all it takes is a couple of days to know you're in love. And then we go to a locker room and I wrote, "Uh oh, every time there's a locker room scene in one of my movies, you know, it's going to go bad. <laughs> locker room scenes always go bad.
0: Yeah. My note is there's always a locker room scene in these movies. So, so yeah. far we have uh, three for three on <laughs> locker room scenes yeah. and on <laughs> mutilated rabbit scenes.
1: Oh, I do want to go back really quick to when Lauren breaks into Dutra's house and he's and he's you know shoving him on the bed. You get a nice shot of Spader's spade tattoo. Just want to point that out. Um, But yeah, so Lauren's alone in the bathroom. He's taking a piss, and then one of the rednecks comes over and just starts pissing on him. That's hardcore. It's hardcore, dude. And next thing you know, it's a five-on-one uh gang fight oh yeah really fair right they're not they're just gonna gang up and he just kicked the shit out of him and and then Jutra with a with a callback to tough turf where Spader had the same thing happen to him the gang leader the leader of the gang in that in tough turf does the same thing to Lauren gets the one final you know kick in on him and then but then Gideon Gideon's kind of like a perfect second in command he's like the lieutenant and then Gideon kicks him one last time. So really, Dutra and Gideon are are equal protagonists or d- equal antagonists to Lauren and Abby, right? Yeah. It's like uh, Joker and Penguin, I guess, to Batman yeah. and Robin. Um, and now we're back in Funland, and Abby's telling Lauren, you know, at this point, like they're falling apart. Lauren looks like shit. And because he, because he got the shit kicked out of him and Abby's crying and she's missing her parents. And it's a really, it's a genuine moment. Cause you're like, yeah, I mean, their parents just fucking died. Not that long ago. Hello. Right. Let's, <laughs> let's not forget about the fact that they're dealing with massive trauma right now. Yes. Yes. And so of course they're, I, I would be like, I want to go, I want to get the fuck out of here. Right. And then next thing you know, the, the cue, a montage of like Lauren putting himself back together, training another training montage.
0: Right, because he's like he's got to be stronger. That's like his. He's yeah. like I got to be stronger if I'm going to take on these guys. Yes. And yeah,
1: and and it, and he's like doing one arm push ups and uh, just a badass montage training scene with the same music from the beginning. Who cares? And he's and he's reflecting back on running with his running with his dad. I as a kid, I always thought it was funny when they did that because. Like, you're supposed to be seeing this through his perspective. He's remembering, but he's remembering our shot of, the pan- of <laughs> yeah, everyone running. Yeah. <laughs> like, Wouldn't it be like him? It would be cool to have a point of view of, like, looking over at your dad and the dad looking directly at the camera being Lauren, right? Yeah. But whatever. That's neither here nor there. And everyone's smiling and getting all happy and getting back together. And um, And then Karen shows up at Funland to kind of help out. And Charlie's, like, excited because finally he got his fucking generator to turn on the lights. Yay, everything's going to be great now. We're going to make a lot of money, 25 miles off the state line, and (laughs) things are going to be good again. And then now we're at the dance. Oh, and then, oh, another dance Another dance. You got to have a dance. Gotta have a dance. This one was definitely not as good as Tough Turf.
0: Tough Turf had the best dance scene ever. I yes. that was that was the scene that made me fall in love with Tough Turf. I was like, this is fantastic. But I also did track um, the <laughs> the one kid that's like twenty five years old with a fucking blonde mustache. They ca- they kind of kept putting him in the front of the the shots. Yeah. And I was like, Christ on a crutch, man. What is Christ what is going on, on back in eighty five, man? <laughs>
1: But Lauren's getting down. Lauren's got some sweet dance moves. Oh yeah, he's they all got sweet dance moves. Spin, but there are some. there's some horrible dancing in it. and and in fact, Mark has sh- god awful shitty dance moves. Dare I say, as bad as my dance moves when I would go to dances because I hated going to dance because I was so insecure back then. Yeah. And um, and Dutra shows up and he's inside and he's wearing his. He shows up at the dance with his sunglasses on, right? And I wrote this down. I wrote Richard Pryor because I wanted to come back to this. Richard Pryor used to say, "If you wear if you wear your sunglasses indoors, you're an asshole."
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So there you go. And uh, and and yeah. Again, the dancing was shitty. And I'm like, I wrote, "What is Mark doing?" Because at one point he gets like Abby on his back, and he's like doing a kind of like, piggyback yeah. ride type thing. I'm like, wait, what is? It's going, on. Oh, yeah, that Mark, was a little so odd, but I thought it
0: was cute. I thought it was a cute no, was thing. Super I thought they, cute. they had a cute little relationship,
1: yeah. It's it is super cute, it's it's harmless, innocent, it's supposed to show that they're they're these sweethearts and they're kind of starting to like each other. And Lauren and Karen split to go, you know, for whatever we know, they're gonna probably go make out. And um, and, and Gideon's like, you know, I'm gonna get you to uh, to Abby or whatever. And and Abby goes to the bathroom by herself and there's a long shot on the ladies room door it's like just sitting there ladies and she's combing her hair in the bathroom and she's and then next thing you know uh, a girl walks in scares the shit out of her it's some random chick some random high schooler and then she leaves and dutro's waiting for her dutro and his gang dutro and his gang and they grab abby and they take her back to
0: yeah. Where do they take her to? Because it's kind of like it's it's not a place that we've gone to. It's not their place. It's yeah. like uh, it's just like a little bit off
1: campus kind of sort yeah, of because at this point, the film has has uh, stayed. There, there's like three major places they go to. Right. They, there's the the high, the high school uh, the fun land. And then Dutro's kind of white trash compound, backyard. yeah, and those yeah. are like the three main places they go to. I'm assuming it's kind of the compound, which okay, is not far from Funland. I'm assuming uh, for for what's about to happen next, and you know they're like, "We're gonna have a little fun with you," and you're like, "Oh shit, they're gonna rape." This us, is you where know? shit gets really
0: fucking dark, dude. Yeah, like, it, I was not, not yeah. expecting it to get this dark.
1: Yeah, it's not your typical we're going to rape you uh, scenario. I spit on your grave kind of gang rape thing or I last house on the left. This goes way dark. I mean, it's it's really, yeah, it's bad. So uh, they cut to, you know, Dutro's van, which is dope. And I remember looking at that and I'm like, oh, even though b- bad shit's going to go down, I still love his van. It's really cool. <laughs> and uh, Dutro's doing coke and and it's cutting back and forth between the dance and Lauren and uh, Karen, like looking for Abby and, and Mark, looking for her, and back to Dutro doing coke, and and then uh, Dutro's like, "You're looking like it. It's getting kind of cold outside. Maybe we should heat you up." And he pulls lighter fluid out and starts spraying her with lighter fluid on her legs, and he lights her on fire.
0: And it's like, like you know, obviously it's only like a little bit on her leg. She, if but you guys still, haven't actually seen the movie, Lori yeah. Laughlin is not – she doesn't go up in flames. But, no, um, no, 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 no. Like, but like she put – like if she didn't put it out so quickly, she would have gone up in flames. And then yeah. when, when Gideon is fucking with her and like keeps lighting the match and she keeps blowing it out, you know, like well, it's twisted because – they could yeah. easily I don't want to condone this, but like they could have easily punched her in the mouth and knocked her out and then burned her. But he's <laughs> they're fucking with her. Right. Like, yeah, like, no, they're totally
1: they're, fucking with her.
0: They're fucking with her. But at this is like the most ultimate, like the, the riskiest fuck with you could ever possibly do to the point where I wouldn't if she burned, if she if they did burn her. I would not have had—I mean, I would have had a problem with it, but I would have been like, okay, that was their plan uh, the whole time. It was—this was really fucking dark, and I was not expecting this.
1: Yeah, because it wasn't just spraying it on her legs, which they do, and then she puts that fire out. He sprays it all over her face and in her mouth. Yeah. And yeah. then that's when he starts lighting the 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 matches. Just to fuck with her and she's blowing them out. And you're like, "Wait, he just sprayed lighter fluid all over her fucking face, dude. That yeah. is really messed up." And and then and then finally you're like, "Oh, Gordo, right? The 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 big beefy, uh, he pulls his pants down getting ready. He's apparently going to be the first person to rape her in this yep. in this pull a train on her and uh and you know dutra's doing more coke with one of the other guys he's like helping him with the cocaine and yeah. and she just nails gordo in the balls and runs off
0: yeah thank god dude I, I was so happy i yeah i did not i truly truly had no clue where this was going i had well, no idea i thought she well, was yeah. dead here i thought i thought was she was too she was gonna die
1: i thought i thought they were and it's horrible i'm not it's horrible the whole thing's horrible but um uh, I thought they were going to, at least I thought they were going to rape her, you know, yeah. and then that was going to happen, but because like, everything's didn't, been
0: escalating, you know, so much that yeah. that was the logical conclusion that I, and based on, based on movies that we've seen, that's the next logical conclusion to go to, but not yeah. burning her alive. I did no. not see that as the next step.
1: So fortunately one, she doesn't get burned alive and two, she doesn't get raped. Yeah, thank God uh, she she gets away because she she's a badass too. She is equally a badass as Lauren is in her own way. Um, um, because she, I,
0: remember but, that I want to come back to that because I have I have thoughts on that statement you just made.
1: Okay, cool. Okay, yeah, because yeah, that, and and I will I will defend it in court. But um uh you know she she gets away and she gets to Funland and and she's there, but so is Dutra, and next thing you know she's. Basically trapped in the amusement park and Lauren goes for her and he tells Karen, he's like, call your dad. So we got that base covered that the cops are going to now be called and Charlie and Abby are both getting beat up by Dutra. And now Char- Charlie's – uh, who? oh, Faye's on vacation or something, right? That's kind of how they oh, write it's, around oh, her
0: Oh, is that where she yeah. is? I didn't – I wondered where she was because I must yeah. have missed the dialogue. I was wondering where Faye was. But, yeah, this is the scene where they basically have Abby uh, in in this, like, air like, And they already killed, like, the, the cow, too. They killed a cow in there. Uh, like, they're yeah. in the, the animal petting pen, you know, area. And uh, Charlie's there, and they got him sort of uh, subdued as well well but they killed the cow to get the blood uh so that they could you know get the pit bull to go crazy because uh, they also have the the pit bull with them and everything
1: yeah they've got a big bowl of blood that they're about to you know use on charlie and abby and
0: so the pit bull would, would basically tear them apart
1: yes and as they're doing that um dutra pulls down abby's pants which is at this point you're like oh god damn it's not over for abby pulls down her pants and he takes the blood and he starts wiping it all over her panties (laughs) you're like oh my god this is really getting dark now if we thought it was darker earlier it's just notched up a few more notches right and uh yeah and he's poor he's putting blood all over her panties and and charlie that's at that point charlie goes ape shit right and he starts Attacking them in the
0: melee, he knocks the blood onto all Fat the, Boy.
1: Yeah, Gordo's face gets covered in in blood, and that's when the dog gets released, and the dog just fucking goes on Gordo and mauls the hell out of him in the jugular, like rips yeah. his jugular out. And then Dutra shoots Charlie with his shotgun, and then <laughs> he shoots the dog. Yeah, did not see this coming at all because I get it at this point, the dog is wild and he's got to put it down according to redneck lore. And it's a, it's a crazy shot. And I rewound it a couple times just to see like the impact. Cause when he shoots the dog, I feel like they had a cable on that dog and they yeah. just yanked it back about 90 miles yeah. per hour. It's like, poing gone yeah dude it was insane (laughs) like the the shot
0: it's like a master shot of like uh james spader standing there it's a real fucking dog and like a little bit to the right is um like a barrel of hay so james spader is his character's facing screen right the dog is on the right and there's a little bit of a barrel of hay behind uh, next to the dog and he shoots the dog with a shotgun They yank that dog because he goes flying and the dog, you know, yelps and everything. And I'm like, holy fucking shit. Like, he didn't even think twice. Like, James Spader, they're like, oh, shit. Old man just got shot. Our buddy's dead. Time to put the dog out of his misery. Like, that's just like how quickly they got to that, you know. James Spader's like, give me your gun. What? Boom. Dog's dead. Here we go. (laughs) They could have used that dog, by the way.
1: They totally could have used that dog, but I I did notice at this point. Uh, for a 90-minute movie, we were at like the 75-minute mark. So uh, I, I I think it was around that time. I'm like, oh, maybe they just – they shortened everything for time constraints because it, it, everything kind of felt really fast at this point. It just went bam, bam, bam because that happened and, and Lauren – or Abby runs off to hide and Dutra's looking for her and he puts one of his dudes on the um, Ferris wheel. Which is smart. Mm-hmm. He puts them up on the top
0: really, of the yeah. wheel and be like, look, yeah. just shoot whoever you see come in.
1: Yeah, to kind of scope out. And Lauren shows up. And they, I wrote Cue the Detective music because there's like the cheesy... Oh, Lalo Schifrin. I love that Enter, uh, Enter the Dragon soundtrack. But again, it's like the, a lot of that... chick a pick a pick a wow, wow. That kind of shit. And, yeah. um, and then at this point, Lauren... Like if, I don't know, just more traditional 80s kind of synth uh, would have been awesome. But anyways... Um, if anyone wants to rescore this movie for us, that would be fantastic. But, uh, um <laughs> uh, Lauren's now stalking the, the rednecks and Abby and Billy Bob are in the house of mirrors or is it Billy Bob or Joe Bob? I think there oh, might be I, Billy Bob.
0: Yeah. I don't, I have no clue. It's, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's Joe the Bob third goon. It's the, yeah. The third one, the third it's most Joe Bob. powerful goon.
1: It's it's uh it's Chad Bob's brother, Joe Bob. <laughs> Joe Bob. So um so Joe Bob sees Abby in the House of Mirrors, and to 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 shout out to Lalo Schifrin, little throwback to uh, Enter the Dragon when they were in a House of Mirrors at the end as well, Bruce yes. Lee and and Han. But um Joe Bob shoots the mirror, and Abby knocks him down, and next thing you know, every fucking redneck has a shotgun everyone's yeah. shooting shotguns and there's like shotguns going off bam 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 everyone's shooting their fucking guns and i'm just like oh my god this is crazy well they're uh, also they're also
0: using shotguns like rifles like like shotguns yeah. are meant to be used within you know like a few <laughs> feet of the person they're trying yeah. to do like sniper moves but with shotguns and they're just not yeah. doing anything
1: it's yeah it, it's not going like it's not they're just shooting off guns, and I and I yeah. again I wrote the music kind of sucks here because it's really taking away it 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 slowly starts to take away from the scene a little bit not completely just a little bit I, uh, but-
0: I'll have I'll say that the only time the music really was for me turned me off was that bus ride at the beginning um after that i truly didn't really pay as much attention to it that's for better or worse i don't know what that says about the music itself but it didn't put me off except for that one time but at the same time it wasn't memorable either
1: no it it, yeah it's not it's not a score that i would ever listen to again on its own (laughs) that's no no because in
0: you know, Tough Turf, uh, that, was, oh. that movie was one of the reasons I love Tough Turf, because the score was so great.
1: Yeah, I, I ended up getting all of the songs for that and made my own little compilation. It's part of my workout music.
0: On Spotify?
1: No, you, you can only find it. Uh, the tracks are on YouTube, and oh. um, I mean, I'm sure there's things I don't want to implicate myself, but there's ways to listen to it and download it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so so Lo- so the dude is still on the Ferris wheel. Another Billy Bob dude, and uh, Lauren climbs up the Ferris wheel like a like a fucking champ. And um, and he secure. There's a bar earlier in the scene when the guy goes up on the Ferris wheel. There's a bar hanging there. It's very nondescript, but um, it's the bar that basically allows the Ferris wheel. Uh, cart to move this, yeah. It it allows the seat to move as it's going around. And Lauren has now secured it so the seat's not going to move. So as the Ferris wheel goes around, that seat is just going to tip over, right? Is that yeah, which is exactly
0: Uh, what what happens to, which (laughs) is what
1: happens in a moment, yeah. So, so at that point, now Lauren is he's like setting up traps, he's he's uh pouring water in the bumper car area to electrify it. And the ferris wheel starts up, and uh, and the dude falls out of the fucking ferris wheel. <laughs> From the top of the Ferris wheel, we're talking probably 20, 30 feet, falls and smashes his head on the ground. It's amazing, yeah. like, dead, and done. It,
0: and it was great because <laughs> they they like had the actor do one of those things where you like you put your arm behind yourself, you know, yeah, while you're yeah. face down <laughs> in the grass, yeah. you know, but make your arm like go behind you so you look all d- d- contorted and broken. Yeah. And I mean, he was he was dead. He was dead. dead. Blood yeah, was coming I just... out of his mouth, and he's straight up dead.
1: <laughs> I wrote check. That's one. <laughs> well it's so two, actually. That,
0: Technically it's two.
1: Oh yeah, two with Gordo being dead mall by the yeah. So dog kills the first one, Lauren kills the second one, and then Joe Bob is you know, he's shooting at at Lauren and from the bumper car area and he gets electrocuted from all the, the water and the power yeah. lines that are all around it. He dies. That's two. number three yeah he's dead and then all we have left
0: is is gideon and um uh jesus james spader's character
1: yes yeah so so now lauren and and gideon are battling uh beating the shit out of each other and then dutra is blasting away and abby starts beating up dutra like she fucking takes it to him she's just like let's let's do this shit you know um and which is so great because you're like yeah this kid can kick some ass you know
0: now Uh, see I wanted Abby to do more. She doesn't get a kill here. I wish Abby got a kill. And that was my—honestly, that was my biggest complaint about this movie, Walking Away, was that I didn't feel like Abby got enough of the revenge. If there's going to be two—a brother and a sister, then I think they should have both sort of, like, equally gotten something. She never—unless you want to say it preserves her innocence, maybe, but uh, I wish she'd gotten a
1: kill. She does get she does get a pretty sweet kill at the very end though if you know what I'm talking about with the gas gasoline does, is that technically her kill I'm gonna give it to her
0: no she she no let's all
1: right let's like, we'll, we'll get so to, we'll get off, off, that. We'll John to that we'll come back to that. Yeah, yeah, so so yeah, so cut back to Lauren and Gideon. They're battling by the by the roller coaster.
0: Yeah, dude, that fight is a slobber knocker. They're just going back and forth punching the shit out of each other. But then they eventually end up in the middle of the roller coaster, the <laughs> yes. little mini roller coaster that they have there.
1: Yeah, the like the little kiddie roller coaster, and 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 at one point, Gideon smashing Lauren's head on the bar of the roller, like the 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 rail of the roller coaster, just bashing his head in. And Lauren is able to get the, able to get the upper hand on Gideon and flips him over and puts his head on the bar, just as the roller coaster rolls by and cuts his fucking head off. Dude,
0: it doesn't cut his head <laughs> off; it explodes his head,
1: man. Like, yes,
0: it was. It's it's weird because they didn't make it bloody. They did not make it very bloody, but they yeah. made it like an explosion, and yes. it looked like almost like a pumpkin. And oh, I yeah. was like,
1: holy shit! Yeah, the the I I think if if this was this is definitely an r rated movie because the denver gets too graphic up until that final scene but it, it easily if this if there was an unrated like more graphic cut th- that you that would have been phenomenal <laughs> to see cuz yeah his head just explodes like a damn christmas tree <laughs> uh as paul stanley from kiss would say and at the same time dutra is still alive like dutra is and and he finds abby and he's in now they're in the gas station part of the uh, in the front of Funland. And he makes a blowtorch out of the gas tank and battles. Uh, well, yeah. And Lauren and Lauren and him are battling. So I guess you're right. Abby didn't get the yeah, upper hand because because
0: him and Lauren are battling, which is a really cool fight with like a, a gas nozzle that's turned into a flamethrower. Yes. But yes. <laughs> You're right. I, yeah. My note is my note is James Spader, exclamation
1: point, his face exclamation point. I, Oh, so yeah. So, so he gets, he gets the fucking flame in his face and he's just, it's a awesome face melt scene. Yeah. It's so great. Okay, I mean, okay. You were talking to me about Halloween two when Michael Myers gets torched and how great that, how crazy this, the effects were back then. Cause dudes are walking around on fire and I'm like, well, here you go. Here's fireman number two for you for the week.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, dude, it's a it's a really good death. I mean, he he fucking yeah. blowtorches James Spader's face off, and then he, yeah. like, lands on the ground. He's like, blah, blah, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. sort of alive, you know? And I was like, oh, my God, he's going to get back up, but, you know, he dies. Uh, yeah. And I was like, wow, it was so satisfying. It was the whole, like, just the last 15 minutes of this movie were just so incredibly satisfying. So satisfying. I just wish. I, Fucking Lori, uh, Lori Loughlin, I wish Abby had a kill under her belt. I think I think she deserved it. It was as shitty as they treated her. I think she deserved to get uh, a, a kill. But, you know, yeah. maybe you pers- you could probably make an argument that you're preserving her innocence or something like that. But, uh, you know,
1: yeah, I could see that like it that that makes total sense. On both sides, you know, one wanting to give her that kill for for revenge, and then two wanting to keep her innocent so she doesn't have to deal with the the idea that she had to actually kill somebody like her brother now does because he he killed four people in the yes. span of fifteen minutes. Yes. <laughs> but um, uh, you know, the next day, Charlie has reopened Funland, and just being the huckster that he is, I guess he's just, he's just a huckster, right? That old school term. First of like,
0: off, let. I don't want to say that this was the next day. I think there's a lot of time left now because he's up and walking around. There's a newspaper thing, you know, yada, yada, yada.
1: And it says, like, see where it happened. There's a big banner, like, see where it happened. And he's now trying to profit off, understandably so, profiting off the fact that he almost died. And and, uh, the the headline of the newspaper that he's holding up says, like, bloodbath at Funland. (laughs) And and, uh, (laughs) so now he's reopened Funland under the... Uh, notoriety that it's it's the pla it's where a massacre took place, but they all survived and hey look let, let's be honest that shit makes money so uh Dude. controversy creates cash,
0: yes. Dude, I mean, he's I, I, Uncle Charlie's a genius, man. That's yeah, that the yeah. <laughs> him getting shot by the shotgun is the best thing that ever happened to him.
1: Yeah, and well, and you know, probably deserved it because it gave him a little reality check. Maybe it, uh, he 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 said, "Oh, this is how I can make money." That was your shot at <laughs> business school, buddy. And, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> no so, pun intended, right? So uh, Lauren, so he goes up to Lauren and Abby with a callback to earlier in the movie. He gives them the two thousand. So he says. Uh, Faye is like said, oh, we made twenty three hundred dollars profit for the day. And then that's or for the week, and that's the on top of the two thousand that uh, we gave back to Lauren and Abby. So they they wrap up that cool little yeah. tidbit of info, which I which I always appreciate when they go back and. You know, sew up the uh, the loose ends. Yeah, that's uh, what
0: I was referring to earlier about Uncle Charlie not quite being a scumbag because yes. he does when he he's when he's successful he does pay them back. Like, yeah, it's he, redeeming. He, he's I I never took it that he was. Yeah, I guess you're supposed to take it that he's not a piece of shit. He just was kind of an idiot, but you know he got lucky yeah. here and perseverance. He 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 made it through. But I did like that. I like that they addressed that Uncle Charlie gave them the money back.
1: Yeah, I agree. I it it was it it made his character redeemable. Um and he was never necessarily a bad character, but there was just like like we talked about moments where you're like, yeah, but he's kind of shady. Uh but it turns out he's maybe not so shady at the end. And then, you know, Charlie his his and Faye tell them that they can go back to they can go to live in Arizona with the uh, Colonel Jenkins uh if they want to because after he heard what happened to them, he decided, you know, I'm going to pull you guys out of there. And, and Lauren and Abby look at each other and they're like, well, no, this is, this is our home and we want to stay here. And Lauren's happy because he's got Karen and Abby's happy because she's got Mark. They seem to be like items now and, and everything. Oh no. They say, well, let's go get Mark to kind of wrap that up. And um like, where, what happened to Mark? Right. And they kind of fade off into the sunset. And as they do, you think like the credits are going to roll, but they don't. Because in Sean S. Cunningham's uh, very cl- now cliché fashion, they cut back to Chad Bob, Little Hillbilly, and he looks pissed. And he's yeah, watching that. Yeah, hard. Yeah, and it just kind of ends on that. And Little Hillbilly. And um, obviously implying that there's going to be a sequel for Revenge. They don't do that. The, the, a sequel was never made. I'm totally fine with that because I love open-ended movies where you just let your imagination soar instead of making a shitty sequel, Critters Part 2, uh, <laughs> and, you know, go in that route. and Just, like, let it let it be. Let it, yeah. like, kind of live in the embers, as they say, yeah. or whatever. And that's the end of the movie.
0: And I wasn't expecting to see that with Chad Bob and I really fucking enjoyed that. I was like, Oh, that's really fucking cool because you know, you think the good guys won, but all you did was create another monster. Let's dive into our final thoughts. I, I, I want to just say at the top, uh, I've been thinking about this movie and ever since I watched it yesterday, I've been thinking, where does it fit in tough turf? Where does it fit with um class of 84 and I, I and I have to compare it to them. You just I just of have to. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. So I'm just gonna start my personal review by saying that this is probably my least favorite of the three that we watched, but that is yeah. in no way, shape or form saying that I dislike this movie at all. It's just I liked in Class of 1984, I liked Stegman was the standout. That was just—that just propelled it to just next-level awesomeness. Tough Turf, holy God, I can't even—that movie just— <laughs> I love it more and more as as time— I've only seen it once, and it was for this podcast, and as time goes on, I think about that movie, and I literally love it more. And I don't know why that movie just, just floored me. It was so much fun. And this movie— it's just it didn't have any quite one big thing that sort of stood out for me, but I loved it. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely loved it, but it was probably my third favorite of the three. Um, but so putting you know that little caveat aside, I'll, I'll talk just about the movie as it is. Boy, is this a weird fucking film? The way it starts with Tom Atkins and his his weirdness towards his kids, like that, it was almost like you were watching another movie. Like, like yeah. Tom Atkins was like, you know what? You're not playing their dad. You're playing their lover. <laughs> you know, it's just like something weird. It was just so very weird at the beginning. Then it got kind of a little bit more standardized. Like the the movie kind of became like, okay, I I see where this is going. And then it ramps up to like really bonkers level at the end. I thought it was a fun fun ride. I thought I thought it was The movie itself was very entertaining. I thought it moved relatively quickly. I thought it had enough meat on its bones to kind of have fun with it. Um, And it was much darker than I ever thought it was going to be. And the villains in it are much more scary and capable than any of the other two movies that, you know, we we compare it to, Tough Turf and Class of 1984. But uh, for some reason, it just lacks like that little x-factor right that little dash of x-factor that that class of 84 and and tough turf had it lacks it but It definitely makes up for it in other areas. I think, I think Lori Loughlin's great in this. Um, I only ever knew her really from full house, although I used to always have a crush on her. I I thought she was awesome. Uh, I thought she was great in this. I thought she was really, really good. Uh, I thought John Philbin was great. I thought James Spader was a lot of fun and totally different than, than his uh, other movie. And I think it was our buddy Tony who said uh, on our Tough Turf episode that you know James Spader is always James Spader, and I agree. But except for this movie, he yeah. this movie he is not James Spader in this movie. He is Dresden, whatever the fuck his name is. <laughs> Dutra. Dutra. Dutra, Boutro. Butro, Gali. <laughs> but no, uh, jokes aside, this is this is an awesome performance by James Spader as a bad guy, and he he's not playing it like James Spader. Yeah, Tough Turf is James Spader doing the James Spader thing and we'd fucking love him for it? But he's not James Spader in this and that's really fucking cool. I really, really like that. Uh, I like the villains. I like the conclusion. I thought it was very satisfying. I thought it was a very fun, like, revenge flick and my, my biggest problem with it is that I wish Abby at least had one kill that she could, you know, say, hey, fuck you guys, I got you back too. I, I just thought it. I thought it neutered her a little bit. Uh, for not having any kills, but other than that, fucking fantastic movie, bro. Like you, you're you're gonna you're three for three, man, and you're gonna have a hard time living up. Uh, trying to, you know, fool me with another one, right? Like, like try to get me with another one. I hope it's good, but dude, you're killing it, my man. You're
1: killing it. <laughs> well, I will say that um, i I've, I've always been told that I have fairly good taste in movies. Uh, actually that's not true at all. People are like, well, you have such weird taste in movies. If I've ever heard people say stuff like that, uh, where I'm like, okay, well shit, I don't typically like the traditional fare that people go with. I like something like a little bit off beaten clearly with these three. Um, and I, I would agree with you that tough turf, I think class of 1984 tough turf and Nuke the new kids are Different enough on their own, even though they deal with similar themes. They are stylistically three different movies. I would call this more of a horror film. Tough Turf, more of a drama. 1984, more of a thriller, I guess. Uh, But both, but just in tone, I think overall. Um, This movie checks all the boxes off for me except for the music. I wish if, if I could change one thing, and you said about Abby getting her kill, I would change the music. I wish it was just a little less uh, dated. That being said, not seeing this movie for over well over 30 years, it was thoroughly satisf- satisfying on my end as well. I like the fact that you the only people that got killed were the bad guys. You know, yeah. That's I, it. I
0: like, I like that. I like the fact that like the cops were like, you know, you never saw the cops being like incapable or something, you know? And, and, and it's just like, uh, yeah, it, it, there was a lot of logic there. The movie actually was pretty logical on how it yeah. treated different things. And even, you know, like you, like with tough turf, right? He, he dispatches all those guys and all that kind of stuff happens at the end of the movie, but you don't, anything comes you don't know anything comes from this from it but here with this you like oh wow like the, there was clearly like a news story happened because this was yeah. probably a big fucking deal, you know? Like these fucking high school kids got killed. You're like, oh shit. First off, you're like, oh shit. You know, the, uh, you, you hear, I'm sure you hear about it like, okay, four high school kids got killed or five high school kids got killed in an amusement park overnight, right? You're like, oh, okay, oh crap. Yeah. Uh, You know, did they get killed by some crazy amusement park owner? No, no, you, you don't understand. These were the bad guys. Like the, the, the person defending themselves had to kill. Like, what an insane story. What an insane <laughs> story. Insanely amazing story that that newspaper fucking broke, and like, of course, that's gonna get like national attention. And then, boom, the fact that Uncle Charlie like leverages that to like to make his amusement park actually successful, you don't usually see that kind of shit. And then, at the very end, yes, it is sort of like a Sean Cunningham thing, but if you take him sort of out of the equation, just the idea that like yeah, like I totally forgot that there was this young kid member of the gang that you don't really because he's so young, he does he's not in the same school that they are. Yeah, but yeah, like now you see how how the outcome actually affects him as well, and I'm like, yeah. oh, that's fucking cool, man. Like like all this. A lot of times in these movies, and I again, I'm going to say tough turf, you almost get a feeling that these fights, these end climaxes, happen in sort of a void, right? Like there's yeah. no ramifications for it because, because we clearly see that the justified person was correct in their actions yeah. as the moviegoer. But here they actually show you that, you know, that the ramifications of that night's actions, and both good with Uncle Charlie and the bad outcome of the kid now being a future terrorizer of them. Yeah. It's almost, it almost goes back to the mentality of, you know, when you go into, uh, another country as a military force, you know, you, by liberating some people, you turn other people into enemies of, of the, of the United States. And they, you know, even though they were defending themselves, they turned young Chad into an enemy of theirs in the future. And it's something they're going to have to deal with. and, dude, that was cool, man. Like it didn't need that. And, and, but because of it, because that it had that at the end, both of those things, I I think it elevates the movie to something a little bit more special than what it could have been.
1: Yeah. Cause, cause I will say between the, of the three, because we're kind of comparing them and they're all in the, the teen exploitation, revenge kind of genre, uh, class of 1984 kind of ended open-ended like what's going to happen next. We have no idea. It just ends. Um, Tough Turf has this kind of romanticism, sweet ending, which is devoid of anything consequential. Uh, And then this one kind of answers all those questions. You know, what is everyone okay at the end? Uh, and, and what's going to happen with the future. And oh yeah, you remember that little guy that was pissed off that he was getting messed with? Well, he's more pissed off with the fact that his family's now dead and he's yeah. going to seek revenge. So I love that. I lo- I feel like it has a, it has a nice, um, the ending I think is really solid. And yeah, like you said about Spader and Tony was, Tony Arlington was saying, yeah, Spader plays Spader. Unfortunately you get that with these really good actors. Um you just identify them as, as who they are as an actor, not by the specific role. So, you know, John Philbin, I identify mostly with turtle because he was uh, so iconic in that role. And so I see him in this and I'm like, Oh wow, look at that performance. He's pulling out. James Spader is typically James Spader because of just who he, like Robert Downey Jr. You know, it's the same deal. Oh, Yeah, he's not Tony Stark. He's Robert Downey Jr. doing Robert Downey Jr. That's just who he is. But James Spader doing this Dutra character was very colorful and definitely stepping outside his wheelhouse. He didn't, you know, he hadn't had many credits up until this point. So it was so great that he's doing something unique. And I think people who have never seen this movie before are going to be pleasantly surprised I think the shortcomings overall, I guarantee you, the shortcomings overall will not take away from your overall pleasure of this movie. 90 minutes is not a long time to sit through a movie. Uh, and this will, if you are a fan of anything we've watched so far or talked about so far on our podcast, you will absolutely enjoy this movie, The New Kids.
0: I agree. I, I, I totally recommend it uh, with the caveat of if you haven't seen Class of 1984 or Tough Turf, see those first, and then if you and if you've make your way to here, then see the New Kids. But it still gets my recommendation. It's it's a solid film. It's a lot of fun, and I, I think you're gonna I think you're gonna get some enjoyment out of it for for real. And yeah, the music's trash, but you know <laughs> what are you gonna do? <laughs> it, well, can't, I will, it can't it, all be I, Tough Turf, right?
1: And I will tell you uh, as we were discussing this, and while I was watching it. I did think of my next pick, which I will not reveal. You will, it will be sent to you. uh, And that's what I'm going to do from now on for my pick. (laughs) If if it's available on the blue uh, or a decent copy is available versus, and it's not available for free, you're just going to get it sent and you're going to be like, what's this? Um, (laughs) And yeah, I do. I love revenge movies. I think revenge movies quite possibly in the horror sense are maybe my favorite uh subgenre of the horror genre.
0: Dude, I'm with you, and even though these kind of didn't fall into my category of stuff that I liked, I, and I, I maybe I didn't really dig on revenge films when I was younger, but as I've gotten older, I love revenge movies. I love, um, like, The Hills Have Eyes remake. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that was a big
1: fuck you your revenge next, film. Your Next is a revenge um, movie your next
0: yes your next um i i loved your next i i'm with you dude uh there was one that just came out where some lady gets married into like this rich uh, family it yep. just came out in the theaters like a, a couple months ago and then she i think it's called like i don't you're next no it's not called your next it's uh, i do or something like that some had a terrible name yeah but it's, uh, it's like
1: uh tag your it or something not tag your but but like yeah, the idea where she's on the run now—they're they're basically yeah. de- playing a game of chase, and she's got to take revenge on them. Um, yeah, I heard that yeah. was
0: good, and and but, I really want to see it. But I, I like, say, shit like okay. that.
1: I was I I will say too that sorry to cut you off that a lot of those a lot of these movies now, oh they're they're I'm sure the directors in some way or the writers are familiar with these movies because a lot of these films have elements that these, that these movies that we've talked about have Um, not the collector, but the sequel to the collector, which I think is called the collection. I'm not positive, uh, which that is a awesome revenge movie, uh, which if you haven't seen that, check that out. It's actually one of my higher up kind of newer revenge movies. Uh, But all these movies kind of add like, they pay homage to movies like the ones we're talking about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Without, without the movies that we have, you know what? I I feel like, well, no, but then there's like, I spit on your grave and last house on the left. Uh, those were clearly revenge films, but yes. high school revenge films, yes. uh, uh, you know, and, and like you said, tough turf, Class of 1984 and this, they almost, they're almost they almost like different genres, but yet their DNA is very similar in the fact that they're sort of based around this like revenge idea. But they don't fall under the revenge sort of fantasy films that we see nowadays because I feel like, I think you, what you're going with is that they've really perfected the genre. Yeah. I think oh, these that's I mean. three yeah, movies sure. were trying to dabble their toes in that genre, but it has not yeah. really been perfected. The tropes of that genre haven't really been perfected yet by the time these movies came out whereas now we know what the tropes are for the revenge film and stuff but i think modern revenge films have a a, a lot of their dna to movies like uh the new kids and tough turf and class of 1984 i really do believe that and back Mm -hmm. to what you're saying about the collector and the collection uh, i love both of those movies both of them were kind of different uh but They were great in the fact that they were, like, it's not a trilogy. It's just a great two movies, and it's a perfect little one-two story. And I loved it, dude. The collection was fantastic. Both those movies are fantastic. If you you guys haven't seen them, definitely check them out.
1: I will say, too, going just quickly talking about the collector and the collection, there there was a rumor at one point that there was going to be a third one. Uh, I would gladly see that if they did that. But you're right. These movies have now perfected this... The, movie, the the movies we talk about on our podcast are flawed in some way. There's something, the music in, in New Kids or um, Class of 1984 having some elements that for you, Robert, R- Roddy McDowell, huh? <laughs> you know, some elements <laughs> of things that didn't work. But and then you take that and you make it better. But without these, those these movies nowadays might not exist. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so who knows what my next pick will be? But uh, I'm really curious now. You were talking about well, I gotta, I gotta make sure like I, I gotta find something that no one's seen or I'm just whatever man. Whatever you pick is whatever you pick. Hardware, take it or leave it for whatever it's worth. The fact that my son, who may not see hardware for many years to come, uh, will constantly say this, I'll say Bodhi, this is what you want, and he'll say. This is what you get. So anyways, um, that's, awesome. I mean, I
0: can't believe like hardware has like infected your family.
1: Oh, I have that song on our iPod at home. So it's a great song. Yeah. It'll come up in our rotation and he'll be like, this is what you want. This is what you get. And he's five. So he has no frame of reference, you know, (laughs) but um, with, with the new kids, this is what you want. A revenge movie. This is what you get. In a, a pretty decent revenge movie,
0: yeah, yeah. With I, and, and I, I loved w- it, it did, man.
1: It will break. It did break one of our rules or one of your rules per se. There was no nudity, uh, and and the and the body double that is while Abby's taking a shower, uh, <laughs> there is a body double, and I'm like, oh, the body double has a has a nice body compared to
0: <laughs> Abby, <laughs> dude. That was. I noticed that I was like the body double was much more uh, voluptuous than Abby was. And I was like, I was like, you you couldn't have gotten like a, a person with the same body type at just a little bit, you know, uh, but okay. But you know what? I didn't even, honestly, I didn't really even pick up on or even notice that there wasn't any nudity. And I don't think we, we don't need it to have nudity. It, it,
1: hark- it harkens back to me to uh, the movie Showdown in Little Tokyo with- Uh, Brandon Lee and Dolph Lundgren and Tia Carrere and Tia Carrere has a love scene with Dolph Lundgren. And I remember being in the theater like, oh my gosh, I had a huge crush on Tia Carrere and she's like on top of him and she, she gets, you know, she gets up and they're like the full reveal of what her chest looks like. And I'm like, that's not Tia Carrere. (laughs) Yeah. Her hair is not the same. And my brother's like, shut up. She's naked. That's all that matters. I'm like, no, I want to see Tia Carrere naked anyway anyways, sorry i digress
0: well yeah that's uh and we'll end the show on that note <laughs> zach's obsession to your career uh, buddy zach my friend where can we find you online and in the podcast world
1: amigo you can find me on the instagrams at z a k S H A F F E R, that's Zach Schaefer. And then on Twitter, that's Zach Schaefer V O. And I'm also on the other podcasts, um, $2 Late Fee, T W O, dollar, D O L L A R, late fee, uh, $2latefee.com, Instagram, Facebook, all that good shit. Where can we find you, Corey?
0: Um, You can find me on Instagram at Corey Nation and then on a few podcasts here and there on the Blast From Our Past podcast network as well as... uh, uh A comic book podcast called Ongoing Comic Book Discussion Podcast with uh, my buddy Tess. Uh, Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast with uh, our friend Adam. And uh, occasionally on the Blast From Past podcast. And uh, let's give a little quick shout out to our buddies at the Friday Five podcast. And uh, Brent and uh, Eric, those are great cats. And they are also on the Blast From Past network. You can find all of these podcasts, the ones I just listed, and ours, Podcasting After Dark, on Apple Podcasts podcast, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio. We just got up on iHeartRadio, Podbean Stitcher, the whole the usual collection, the usual suspects of podcatchers. But what I really wanted to talk to you guys about for the last minute or so is our Patreon page. Zach and I have been doing, I think, some really cool stuff with our Patreon page. We have a couple interviews up with Stephen Jeffries and Tom Matthews. We also have a like a freeform conversation show. where We talk about what's going on because these our regular shows are a bit, you know, like they're structured. We, you know, we know where we have to go with them. And then we also release every episode of all the regular episodes, uh, absolutely ad free, on our Patreon page. Uh, we have different tiers that you can join for all that kind of stuff, but whatever you decide to join and whatever you do donate to our patreon page it just goes right back into the the podcast itself and for us to create more content for you guys and we love doing it
1: we love doing it so much and i am excited not only for our upcoming episodes of our podcast but also what's on patreon future episodes future guests that we have lined up in the folds of our universe and they're good you're going to enjoy it so if you're not signed up you should and if you have signed up already thank you so much because you know we do this we do this for ourselves because we enjoy it but we also do this because obviously people who listen enjoy it too so yeah a lot of love a lot of love
0: a lot of love and guys we've been getting a lot of awesome five-star reviews on apple Podcasts (laughs) lately i i just want to say our fans are the fucking best you guys are awesome we really appreciate all the reviews uh keep them coming guys keep them coming on itunes it's wonderful thank you thank you so much (laughs) drinking
1: olatine whoever you are wherever you are we love you
0: we love you. We love you. And, uh, oh, one more shout-out to our buddy Tony, man. You, you're you the best, man. We appreciate all the love that you give us online and, and oh, all yeah. the support. So, All right. Well, this was a fun episode, my friend, and uh, we will see you guys on the flip side. Yes.
1: Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus, you get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for podcasting after dark hello everybody i'm adam i'm john and every week we are giving you a blast from our past